listening to the Blue Crystal, broadcasting live from Gaelic Car in the heart of Lodosai. I'm Dander Alexander with the news. Blackpool's new ruler is threatening to destroy the people's kingdom of Good Queen Foreign with powerful new weapons. That story up next. Meanwhile, is favored courtier Corso drinking the Exchequer dry? And tragedy from the red coast north of Blackpool, where vast tracts of wilderness are simply disappearing. Experts say... Well, what's that? Excuse me? Oh, I see. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our broadcast with the Goonies World 100th Episode Special! Welcome to the 100th episode of Goonies World. My name is Goonie, also known as Colin, and I am joined, as always, by Johnny Pharaoh, also known as Sean. Hello there. And Meanie, also known as Ryan. Greetings. And our very special guest, Wimp, also known as Jason. Hey, everybody. Yes, we're very happy to have Jason. We've been gaming with Jason for like 20 years or more. I think it's a little more. And uh, so the first time he's ever been on the podcast. And I've been trying to get him for ages. We've yeah. been wanting him and because uh, he is one of the OGs of our yeah, group. And that's right. I like to pretend that stands for original gamer. Original that's gamers. right. Founding founding members. Well, I got a microphone now, so you might have to put up with me for a while. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, we'll probably have a slightly longer than normal episode tonight, because after all, it's our 100th episode. And uh, for that, we're going to play in our long-running campaign setting, Gonan's World. And uh, when we started playing together 20 years ago, we created this setting together and with a lot of other people. And we've been adding to it ever since. We play other campaigns, but we always come back to Gonan's World eventually. I think it's safe to say it has a special place in our hearts, and it's cool to share it with you on this special occasion. We have used lots of systems in the past to play Gonan's World. We've used first edition D&D to Savage Worlds to Warhammer and systems we made up ourselves. But tonight, we're going to use the Black Hack, mostly because it's pretty quick and easy. And if you're familiar with the Black Hack, we're even going to be hacking the hack. You should know that because these characters were essentially multi-classed in other games, we've given the Thief and the Wizard the same melee capabilities as a fighter, but with slightly lower damage. We bumped up the fighter's damage and then scaled the others down by class to compensate for that. And when we're attacking multiple targets, uh, instead of rolling once to hit each target separately, we're just going to roll once with a penalty equal to the number of targets just to save time. So you don't have to listen to us doing a bunch of math constantly. So, just a little bit about the setting. Uh, Gonan's world is named for Gonan, its first colonizer, who is now worshipped as a god by his remote descendants. 
It's a pretty traditional fantasy world with monsters and magic, but it has some steampunk elements such as airships and clockwork golems and vibrating crystal radios and other anachronistic technology that's powered by Gaxium, a mysterious super fuel. And we can't really give you 20 years of background uh, about Gona's world in a nutshell, so bits of it will just have to creep out as we play. You definitely don't need to know the intricate campaign history to enjoy this episode. So for this adventure, we've summoned back to life some of our favorite characters from Gonan's world history, and we brought them together for an important mission because a threat has arisen that could destroy everything that we've created for the last 20 years. A dark power from another world that will erase Gonan's world forever unless our heroes can stop it. But I think we're going to start right in the middle of action with Jason's character, Marm Goodwill. He's a wee moldi. That's basically like a halfling. And uh, Marm, you are running over the rooftops of Gaelic Car. It's midday, but the sky is dark with blue gaxium smoke from the towering smokestacks of this industrial city in the heartland of Lotusai. And you've just stolen a prototype of a new invention from Industrial Algebra, a company that makes strange things. It's a thick black metal ring about the size of a hula hoop, and you have no idea what it is, but you do know it's valuable. However, on the way out of Industrial Algebra, you accidentally set off a magical alarm, and now the blue guards are chasing you down across the rooftops. So could you briefly describe Marm for us so we can all get a mental image of him? Yeah, so... uh Marm is about three and a half feet tall, and right now he's dressed in all black leather with some soft leather boots and a braid of hair coming off the top of his head, uh, bouncing and jouncing. Well, you are at the top of a peaked roof right this second, and you have to slide down it and leap onto the next building, which is a bakery, by the way. And uh, go ahead and make a wisdom roll to judge the distance correctly so you can make a good jump there. And get a good start. And you want to roll less than your wisdom. I did not roll less than my wisdom. You, well, you take the slide down that pig roof and you hit the edge, but you hit it a little too hard. And instead of getting a good solid uh, foundation to jump from, you just kind of tumble off the roof and fall down into the alley right into a big rubbish bin. And uh, you can bounce right up because, you know, luckily there's a lot of trash down there. Of course, you're covered in trash now and there's like rotten eggs and bits of eggshell and scraps of paper and uh, dough from the bakery sort of covering you uh, but you can pop right out with no problem however looking to your left you can see Duke Ludovenko Memorial Boulevard and plenty of traffic out there and looking to the right it's down further down the alley and there are actually two auto constables Paco class clockwork golems coming down the alley uh, with quad guns pointed at you. Stop thief, they say. Stop thief. Stop thief. Stop thief. So what do you want to do? Well, uh, despite it not being a good idea, Marm uh, relishes in the trash a little bit because it reminds him of home and uh, at the last minute hops out and tries to run underneath the auto guards' uh, guns and escape behind them. You're right. That is a terrible idea. So when you pop up and charge towards them, uh, weaving and dodging, uh, you can hear the quad guns rip. Boom, 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 boom. And the glass bullets are shattering all around you. And, uh, yeah, go ahead and make a dexterity roll to not get hit. Is this going to be with advantage? 
Um, yeah. Uh, Nimble expertise. Uh, well, you know what? Yeah. We'll go for it. We'll just we'll we'll go ahead and call this nimble expertise. It's a stretch, but Marm's always been slippery. All right. Well, uh, my second die will succeed. Okay. Well, you you uh, skitter right around as those bullets fly around you, and you go right under their legs. You're a little guy after all. And uh, it's going to take them a second to get all turned around. They're, you know, they've, they, they're not really highly intelligent anyway. Their brains are made of punched cards that are in their chests, and they've got to flip a new one into the slot and figure out what to do. Meanwhile, you go tearing down the alley, and uh, you're out onto Grand Street at this point, and uh, you're looking both ways. You can see there's traffic going by. Um, the blue guard, of course, was on the roof above you, and it's they're, you know, they can easily see where you've gone, and you can hear them running along the roof above you. Stop, you little bastard! You're not going to get away with this! You can hear them hollering. Do you want to dash across the street through the traffic, or do you want to stay here and deal with them, or what do you want to do? Yeah, before Marm uh, tries to lose himself in the flow of traffic, he'll say, Yeah, but if I stop, you'll catch me. i got to go. I can't stop. And then run off. All right. Well, you dodge right out into traffic. Uh, yeah, right in the path of a cyclist on an auto bike. Do you go forward or back? Quick, what do you do? Forward or back? You forward. Go back, back up or go? Forward. You charge forward and crash right into the window of an artificial limb factory. And all these arms fall on you. You're riding in this big pile of arms. And you can hear some footsteps outside. And, of course, there's people behind you in the shop shocked looking over as you know right in the middle of trying on an artificial leg one guy falls over you know and the footsteps from outside the blue guard rushes up a whole platoon of them and they're raising their weapons at you meanwhile this hoop that you're holding this metal hoop it just starts to tremble and vibrate in your hand this humming what do you do with it um well i'm gonna try to hide underneath it well, you push, pull it up and pull it over your head as if to hide in it. Hula hoop. Like, yeah, like, like uh, sort of a hula hoop, exactly. And I don't know how you can hide beneath it, but you pull it over your head. And when you do, suddenly you are high, high up in the air without the hoop, without the ring, falling. And you see the triple towers of high seat in the distance. You've been teleported like 100 leagues away from Galen Carr. There's this big explosion up above you as if you fell out of it. And you're going to land in this lake below you. And you can see a squadron of soldiers running out of a fortress by the lake uh, to intercept you. And uh, you can see the water looming up at you. You can make a dexterity roll to try to do a nice dive and and land gracefully and perhaps not take damage. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marm would love to and do this a, is, a perfect swan dive into the lake there. With yes. the sticks, we'll succeed. And you do, but you certainly go in gracefully. But hitting the water, uh, you go unconscious. Now you wake up later. You must have been asleep for a while because your clothes are dry. And you're in a jail cell. And you can see there's nothing in here but a cot and a toilet and there's a huge hairy flind in overall sitting in here with you except for the flying this kind of reminds me of my second home (laughs) 
Well, like your second home, by the toilet is actually uh, not actual toilet tissue, but old newspaper. And you can see a copy of the High Seat Observer, and you see the year is 1680. This is it's 200 years ago. Not only have you been transported in distance by the hoop, you've been transported 200 years in the past during the reign of Queen Farin. And uh, the uh, flind looks at you and licks his lips. And uh, that's that's where we'll we'll go ahead and leave Marm for now, and we'll move on to. Uh, in fact, if you could picture the the camera leaving the jail cell and going going down the hallway and out and through this big palace all the way up to the very top, eight hundred feet above the level of the the city of High Seat, um, atop the great pillars, we're in the throne room of the royal palace in High Seat, and it's night. And the moons shine in through these huge windows that overlook South High Seat, 800 feet below. And there's a party going on because it is Queen Farn's birthday. She's 37 today. And the whole city is celebrating. And festive music's playing. Farin is there and uh, her, her favorite courtier, uh, Corso. And uh, Ryan, Farin is your character. Can you describe Farin for us physically? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> so Farin uh, is, uh, you know, a, a reasonably attractive, uh, approximately at this point in time, middle-aged-ish woman uh, with long, dark hair and a brutal-looking scar, uh, like, right across her entire face. Although, somehow, um, rather than being a flaw, it just kind of makes her more attractive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know, high cheekbones, and she's she's dressed. I mean, it's a, it's a birthday party. She's you know, dressed uh, to to the nines with a nice black uh, dress. I, I'm imagining with like a kind of a uh, high collar. Right, right, totally. I can picture it. Yeah, it, nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you're trying to enjoy the party, but actually, and you can see Corso in the distance. You always have to keep an eye on him because you never know what he'll get up to. He might embarrass you, but. Uh, Lord Unctious, he's the Chancellor. He's the guy who does most of the day-to-day, you know, operations. He's an administrator. He keeps bugging you with government questions. He's been doing it all night. He's tall and skinny. Kind of looks like a bird. And finally, he said, uh, listen, um, uh, Your Highness, I realize your background as an adventurer before you captured the throne of High Seat has not really prepared you for... Uh, legislative or kitchen affairs, but uh, the commons are running out of cake and they're getting belligerent. So how shall the uh, constabulary handle it? Shall we have the kitchen make more cake or uh, shall we disperse the crowds with our riot squads? Well, of course you should make some cake. We, We must feed the people. Well, we will let them eat cake then, but there's uh, one problem. Uh, the exchequer, I, I, cake will be a great expense, and this is this is potentially awkward, uh, my lady, but your favorite guest, Corso, has consumed six gallons of saltwash gold and four pounds of blue caviar during the last fortnight. And from what I understand, this uh, he has consumed General Krieg's daughter as well. Uh, and the exchequer wonders if some restraint on his uh, behavior and uh, spending might be in order. Now, Corso, your ears are burning from across the room. And you look over to where Lord Unctious is talking to Far, and you can see he's looking at you. Uh, do you want to go over there and inject yourself in the conversation, Corso? Yeah, I will 
go over there and say, "I'm just getting started." <laughs> well, now that's a great as that's a great as uh, an opening as any. Can you uh, describe Corso for us, Colin? So, before I do that, I I do need to say that Corso was my very first character I ever played in any RPG. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> he. Uh, has a pretty normal name, Nicholas Corso, but people do just call him Corso. Um, and in his younger days, he was much thinner and fitter um, than he is now. He's pretty chubby uh, and unhealthy <laughs> now. I believe at one point, um, an errant cannon blast turned him into just a torso yes yes he yes. was a torso he was corso the torso briefly but since then he's got a new cock and well, body what happened was uh i believe that was all uh turned that was all just something that actually didn't happen because of a wish we made uh Returned everything back to normal before right. that terrible accident happened. That's right. Wishes have uh, played a huge part in the history of Gonan's world. But, uh, yeah, so we now he is um, kind of, we've described him kind of like Fat Elvis, you know, in his yeah. later years. Um, but before that, he was kind of very, very vaguely resembled Steven Seagal. Um, so, now, so now he probably resembles what Steven Seagal looks like now. But Steven <laughs> yeah, Seagal is now in his fat Elvis period as well. Fat Steven Seagal now. Right, um, right. But he can still he, pack a punch. Yeah, uh, he's he's got this slick black, sick, slick backed black hair, uh, no ponytail. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I would say he's pretty handsome, but, you know, he does have the chubby cheeks right now. Um but right now, I would say he's wearing, or what he normally wears is probably just like loose robes, um, like the dude kind of. Yeah, just kind of moping around, uh, eating stuff and drinking and uh, fancy robes. Well, if you're just getting started, Lord Anjus says, then you may wish to make some contributions, financial, uh, Queen Farin. Shall we go ahead and continue to let your friend here uh, milk the state dry? Or what What can be done here? Your guidance is needed, your highness. Well, Corso, I do think it would be uh, most uh, prudent if you could maybe scale back the uh, saltwash gold consumption some. Uh, just a bit, you see. Uh, it's awfully expensive. All right, um... I guess. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll try. I'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah. He said he tried. Is this sufficient for you? Yes, I will let that. I shall I will write that down and I will bring that back to the council. He'll try. Uh, that's what uh, Her Highness. No said. promises. That's what I'll tell them very well. I'll make. I'll add that as an addendum. Now, I have one final uh, bit of business before I can let you enjoy your, your birthday. Uh, General Krieg has captured an otherworldly wee moldi who fell from the sky, he says, and uh, apparently he's some sort of lunatic who uh, claims to be 
from the future. Uh, one of the guards quit tonight, also, incidentally. Uh, he said he just couldn't take it anymore, and uh, he walked out with his hands over his ears. I'm not sure what that was about, but uh, shall we have this wee mold I thrown into uh, the asylum, or would you like to question him? I know of your interest in otherworldly matters. Uh, Queen, I would like to suggest we pull out the cannons and uh, for the festivities... And we do some some uh, some wee mold eye cannon shooting. That's my suggestion. So your proposal is to fire this lunatic yeah. backward game from out of a cannon. <laughs> well, I do think that would be entertaining, but he might have. Well, c- certainly stranger things have happened than people traveling through time in in this world of ours, so um, it may perhaps, b- before we fire him out of the cannon, serve our interests to uh, ask him a few questions. Oh. Very well, I've anticipated that answer, and we have him right outside. Get out here, you! And uh, some soldiers come in, you, un- you know how they do, that, like, unnecessarily pushing, he's walking anyway, but they're pushing him, you know, and he stumbles in, he's... He's uh, got his handcuffs. They've got all his stuff in a bag. Of course, you know, the, the hoop that transported you here is missing. It's probably laying on, It's laying in the pile of arms, you know, uh, 200 years from now in Gaelic Carr. But uh, they push you forward, Marm. And, of course, he's, he's handcuffed. And uh, uh, you look up and you see Farin and Corso before you. And I will let you three... Get acquainted as the party goes on around you. Go ahead and make more cake, Unctuous says as he walks off. Uh, hey, this is pretty nice. Thanks for inviting me to the party. I heard it was somebody's birthday. Is it your birthday or is like somebody else's birthday? Is it, it was not my birthday. I guess it could be my birthday, but I don't think I've been born yet because I'm like 200 years in the past, and that's pretty far in the past. Yes, uh, that's true. And it is, in fact, my birthday. Um, You say you're from the future, we won. Well, you said I'm from the future with your uh, paper that you left in there. Unless you got 200-year-old paper in the you know, bathroom to like wipe my butt with, which I didn't actually wipe my butt with any of it because I just kind of read it instead. And I didn't want to like you know use it for that after I'd read it because I thought somebody else might want to read it. So I just kind of left it there and, and didn't wipe. But um, that was like 200-year-old paper. So Sorry. Are you saying that you didn't wipe? <laughs> Well, I mean, I kind of use my hand a little bit, so that's why it's a little dirty. Do you have some water I could wash it off with? <laughs> oh, please, uh, get this get this wee one some water. Servants rush up with a little bowl and napkin and begin uh, cleaning. Shall we uncuff him to clean his hands, Your Highness? Uh, yes, 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 please. Oh, very well. I must oh, avert my eyes. I like this guy. <laughs> use the paper next time, says the servant. And... Uh, so, uh, what year was it uh, where you came from, and how did you get here? Uh, and Mom, um, you're, you're, you've, you know you've heard the year, but it's, it, was, it was like 1880-something at Gonan's World Years. Where you come from. Yeah, so it was like almost a 1900-something, 1800-something, and, and like I got here, but I got to tell you, I really had a hand in getting here because there was an arm shop, you see, and I fell through the window of an arm shop after I got hit by a bicycle because I was running away from the roof of the uh, industrial algebra because I had this really cool hoop thing, and then I like hid under the hoop, and then I was up in the sky, and then I like fell in the water and woke up and came in here. You had a hoop? Yeah, it was like a black a hoop. hoop. Industrial. 
it like vibrated and stuff. It was like, I don't know. It was really cool. I'd never seen one before. So I thought I'd take it with me because nobody was using it at the time. It was just sitting there on the shelf. And, you know, I figured if it was just sitting there, then somebody else could use it when they weren't using it. And so I don't think they liked it, though, because they kind of chased me and got mad and kept telling me to bring it back. But I didn't bring it back. I just went to the, you know, ran away with it. I think you found my cock ring. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> so what's a big explosion? You had a vibrating <laughs> hoop, a vibrating teleporting hoop. Yeah, I guess and it teleported it me. Teleported me. But if I went back in time, then maybe I can go save myself. <laughs> save um, yourself from what exactly jumping in the hoop or hiding under the hoop and go somewhere else maybe i could hide under the arms or i don't know if there were some legs i could maybe hide inside a regular person's leg if i like really made myself kind of skinny and fit in there because it was like artificial legs and arms and stuff and they were hollow some of them were hollow i guess some of them actually had bones in them maybe but i don't know you are rescued from this we moldized monologue by General Krieg, who comes storming into the place this is the same general Krieg who uh a collected uh, Marm from the water, but it's also the one whose daughter Corso deflowered uh, about a week and a half ago, and you can tell that he's well aware of it, Corso, by the glowering look he gives you. Nevertheless, Krieg is a professional. He seems to be on our, here on professional business. Behind him, Farin, you know it's serious, because behind him is slinking uh, Gilles Saint-Pitier. He is a Star Chamber agent who has been around long before you ever got here. And he's walking behind him with his all-knowing grin at the same time. Uh, General Krieg comes in. <clears throat> Your Highness, Corso. What? what is it, General? <sighs> Our agents in Colsado report that a newcomer called Lord Bane has staged a coup in Blackpool. I say, we bomb them. Now, Gilles Saint-Pitier comes up. Ah. It is true. Uh, this this Lord Bane is ruthless and charismatic. He's a genius. He's not anywhere in our calculations. He's promised these very powerful new weapons, and uh, reports are trickling in of some kind of terrible new machine in the Red Coast. Uh, he's cornering up the market on Gaxium. He's buying up vast reserves. It it warrants investigation. No, it warrants bombing them. Uh, good Queen Farin. Uh, I suggest sending Squadron D to infiltrate Colsador and eliminate or capture Lord Bane and uh, let the chips fall where they may, unless this is one of these things you'd rather handle yourself. Um, pardon me, by Squadron D, do you mean Corso or the actual Squadron D? Yeah, I got your Squadron D right here. No, I mean the actual Squadron D that has performed so many commando raids and missions for us during our long cold war with the but, Republic of Black Bull. Nice. But of course, Corso has also provo- performed many commando raids for us. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and listen to this any longer. If you're not going to bomb them, I will take my leave, Your Majesty. And he smartly bows and spins on his heels and stalks off across the chamber. That guy doesn't get me, man. I'm afraid Krieg has not uh, much of a sense of humor. Um, well, Gilson, uh, I do think... Uh, I do think perhaps um, I should go down to uh, Colsador myself. Corso, would you be willing to come along? You know, it's getting close to dinner time. Uh, so, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to 
I'm just gonna eat, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty hungry, so... I'm, I'm surprised so... you, you're gonna go yourself. I mean, you don't normally so, do that so terribly stuff. long since we've had an old adventure together. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I'm sure Lord Unctuous and the Council can keep High Sea running in your absence, my lady. Says Gilson Petit. Well, um, perhaps we should, uh, have some dinner and, and uh, go in the morning. Very well. Uh, shall I have this, shall I have this prisoner return to his cell, or will you take him with you? Hmm. What, what, uh, little, little guy, what, what's your name? Hey, I'm Marm, and I'd really like to go to Calsador and stay instead of staying here with that guy, because he's about as fun as sitting on a cactus, cactus which reminds me of that time I got my scrotum pierced. Um. Oh, well, on purpose. Uh, <laughs> well, the first yeah. time it was not on purpose, but the second time it was. <laughs> you had to get matching piercings. You get it, Corso. Mm. See, I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got I some must, piercings myself. I must say, there's a certain fascinating chemistry going on between the two of you that I. Yes, I. I would you, you would like to come? You say to Cole Sador. Yeah, any adventure is better than going back downstairs. Uh, <laughs> what What can you do? Can you do anything? Um, well, yeah, I can, like, dance. Do you want to see me dance? I can, like, tumble and do all sorts of acrobats. And here, do you want your wallet back? Hey, all right. <laughs> uh, I'm sold on this guy. You know, I did a little bit of thievery back in my day. <laughs> all right, well, this sounds like, uh, it sounds like a little adventure, a little birthday adventure for Farin is in order. And... Yes, you know that the council and uh, Lord Unctuous, uh, his administrative capability was Gilles Saint-Pétier's uh, wisdom. And even Krieg's vigilance, to a degree, the, the people's kingdom will be fine. They should go off and take care of business yourself. And so, why don't you guys go ahead and have that dinner, have some roast beast as they bring it out. And before you know it, it is dawn. And you are all in the apparatus of Origiabi, a magical airship that Farin owns that can fold up into a small carrying case on command. And you're racing over the province of Farwall on your way to Colsador, which is many leagues away. Of course, first you have to cross Farwall, which is a province. And then you go over the Spinal Mountains and into the Elderlands and then out over the shallow sea called the Salty Shallows and into... Uh, the island nation of Blackpool, where this Lord Bane has risen to power. Uh, but for now, you're over peaceful lands. And as the sun rises, there's a lovely panorama below you as you sail over a farming region of patchwork fields and quaint villages. Uh, the land is very peaceful, but the sky is not always very peaceful. And there's a hill up ahead with the ruins of an ancient clockwork golem sprawled upon it, a huge one. Uh, it's been there since the wars of the time of troubles hundreds of years ago, and it's all covered with foliage now. But from behind the hill where that clockwork golem sprawls, an airship looms up into the sky. It's clearly heading for you. Uh, it's an Aerotrol-class ship, so it's about twice the size of yours, and a flag unfurls on it, and you recognize the Scarlet Skull 
It's the flagship of Harlotta, the queen of the Sky Pirates. And she's always coveted the apparatus for herself. And the apparatus you have is wondrous, to be sure, but it's not armed and it's not particularly fast. Harlotta's ship shoots towards you. And you can even see the flame-haired Harlotta in her white skin suit, almost like a, a mirror image of Farin. She's looking smug on the poop deck. And she's got about 15 men. And as they get closer and closer, they're uh, getting ready to throw grappling hooks. And there's really no avoiding it. And soon you can hear the grappling hooks dunk, 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 slapping into the deck of the apparatus. And they swing over onto your decks. And a fight starts. And Marm, you are the littlest and by far the quickest of everyone here. And, Marm, what do you do in the situation? You can see there's a good five guys climbing up onto the deck looking at you like they want to eat you for breakfast. And, of course, they're all decked out in outlandish costumes, as, as sky pirates often are. And uh, you have a chance to do something to these five before they pounce on you and carve you up. What do you do, Marm? Well, I don't think there's enough of me to go around to feed all five of them for breakfast, so I'm going to try to discourage at least two of them with my boomerang. Okay, well, you hurl your boomerang in their direction. That's a ranged attack, so roll less than your dexterity, and you're attacking two of those guys. So uh, now you're already at a minus seven bonus to attack them individually. So since you're attacking two at once, we're going to add two back into that as a penalty. So you have a minus five bonus on this roll to hit both of them with your boomerang. All right, well, I succeed. And I will split that evenly between them. Yes, and they will take each uh, 5d6 points of damage. And, of course, the boomerang then spins around and comes back into your hand. 12 on one. 14 on the other. Well, the one that you did 14 to staggers back and falls off the edge of the airship. Ah! down below. The other one is bleeding profusely from the head, and he holds up his hand and squats down at the edge of uh, of, of the, the railing while his other three men step in to protect him, Marm. Meanwhile, far and five of them uh, come running at you. We get a bonus if we take you, uh, says the leader. Uh, his breath reeks of garlic far, and the other one licks his lips as he Looks uh, looks you up and down because I'm assuming you're now in your advent your rubber adventuring suit, your, adventuring armor indeed. Yes, yes, and uh, which leaves nothing to the imagination in terms of shapeliness, even though it's not really revealing. And so the five of them come up to you, but you, far I'm being far more experienced, can attack them first or do anything else that you can think of. What do you do? Well, I'm going to uh, attack all five of them with my Vorpal sword. Very good. So altogether, this would be a plus two bonus because of the difference in your levels and also uh, your uh, you know penalty for attacking all of them at once. You have a plus two bonus. I'm sorry, a minus, minus two, two bonus. Two, yeah. Minus in the black hack is good. Thank uh, you. I need an 18. I rolled a nine. Oh, there you go. So let's have his damage on each of them. Maybe you can take them all out. You never know. Okay. Giant pool of D8s. Going here. All right. A fistful of D8s tonight on Gonad's World. 44. Okay. So, uh, I can't, you can't really divide that by five evenly. 
Yes, you can just do 11 to four of them instead. Man, we are good at doing math fast in our heads. And uh, so and they stagger backwards. None of them are killed, but they're sliced up. They're, they're taken aback. They, uh, they look at you somewhat more warily now. And then meanwhile, Corso, you've got five of them coming in at you. All right, fat boy, it's time to pay the fiddler, says one of the pirates to you, Corso. What do you do? I am going to reach my hand down to where you'll see a very fancy-looking holster, and uh, out of that holster comes a wand. And some of you might know, might have heard of the Wand of Wonder, but uh, since we've been playing, the Wand of Wonder and Corso have been just go hand in hand. They they mm. it kind of defines him. That's right. It's his power. It's his superpower. Yeah, it, it rolls like random magical spells or effects. Yeah, but it doesn't always work. Like Corso, it's getting a little old, and if he rolls a one, it's not going to work. So go ahead and wave your wand. Say, uh, hey, Marm, check this out. And, um, and I rolled the... I rolled a four, so... Okay, it goes off. Now roll yes. percentiles to see what happens. 75. 75. Well, a fireball rips out right towards this crowd of guys. Uh, it's 10d6 fireball. So uh, you or someone else who's really fast at rolling d6s can roll 10d6. And that's how much damage the crowd of five guys who's attacking you is going to take. Okay. Ten, you said? Yeah, ten D6. And all of them are going to take this amount. We're not dividing it. They're all engulfed in this fireball that's come out of your wand. That's a great first first, uh, wave for the wand. Thirty-eight. 38. Man, we are good at doing math fast. Wow. Just look at us go. And 38 points of damage. They burst into flames. I mean, these guys have 14 hit points, you know, so they burst into flames. It's a terrible conflagration. They rush hither and yon on the deck, stumble backwards, luckily don't catch anything on fire, and soon enough, five of them are like little comets or falling stars plummeting towards the ruins of that clockwork golem far below. <sighs> Still and, got it. And uh, anyway, uh, they, they, the other two of you, though, face a counterattack. Uh, Farin, uh, you get a plus two, uh, sorry, a minus two bonus to this roll, but you may either parry or dodge the counterattack that comes swarming in at you from these heavily wounded men that you've been fighting. I'm going to parry, and you say hey, I have a minus two? You have a minus two bonus. That'll be a two, then, so that will succeed. Oh, yes. Flicking, flitting the purple sword about and spinning and kicking, you, uh, you you avoid taking any damage at all from this round. Meanwhile, Marm, of the three who are left, that was my friend. You're going to pay for that. Now we really are going to eat you for breakfast. And the three of them come at you with their blades. Uh, Marm, what do you do? Do you want to try to dodge them with your dexterity or, or counter their attack with your strength? Uh, yeah, Marm's going to dance around the deck here and use his dexterity to avoid their blows. I hope so. And you also have a minus two bonus to this roll. So whatever it is, it's two less. Uh, well, that will fail because I got right on a 17. 
no, no. Well, the three of them grab you and begin uh, shaking you. One of them sticks you a few times. And altogether, you take 18 points of damage from these guys. Do you want to spend uh, an armor point to avoid that damage, or do you want to go ahead and take the 18? Yeah, I'd like to go ahead and spend one armor point on that. Okay, well, you're luckily, none of them, they don't do any serious damage to you. Every time they try to stab you, they hit a buckle or something, but the buckle comes undone. Your armor's slightly damaged. Uh, might want to take some time and try to repair it later, but luckily, you don't take any actual damage. And Marm, it's your turn now. What do you do? These three guys are right on top of you now, though. You're, you're, yeah. in, a, you're in like a little <clears throat> cluster of a melee. What Marm would like to do is use his hook shot to shoot across the ship and then uh, drag that rope across the deck, tangling these fellows up into a bundle that will either fall down or fall off the ship. Well, that that sounds very swashbuckling, and it sounds so swashbuckling that I'm going to fudge a little bit and give you your nimble expertise on that roll. So why don't you go ahead and go for that? You're going to have your, uh, of course, you still have the minus two bonus in dealing with these guys due to level differences. I needed a 17. uh, Seven. Yeah, and in fact, you actually have no bonus or penalty at all because there's three of them now. So you got what you needed. And so, yeah, you when you say across the airship, you mean to the other side of this airship, right? Correct. Okay. So, yeah, you zip. They're just, you know, you're right in the midst of them. You hit, you fire the hook shot. It uh, pulls you up out of there, and you grab the rope and twist it around them, and uh, they are, of course, entangled at the moment. It's rather comical as they're uh, cinched together and go bumping into each other. They're like a little spider body, you know, with a lot of legs. Oh, 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 oh. And you know what? Just because you're on an airship, I think I should... Uh, see if they fall off. So, if someone would roll for me, and if uh, they, if you get an 11 or less... 17. Their, their dexterity is 12. Uh, no, they, uh, they tumble off as well and fall down, and uh, a little bit later, if you were listening, you hear a clunk on the ruins of that, uh, that clockwork golem far below you. And now... There's just the ones left on Farin, and Farin, do you want to try to dispatch these? You know, you heavily sliced them up only a moment ago. Do you think you could take them all now? I'm pretty sure I can, and uh, uh, with a 10, that is going to succeed, so I will roll. All right, so let's see. Uh, one of them takes 14. Yeah, he's sliced in half, and he falls to the deck in two separate pieces, his legs kicking. Another one takes 14. Uh, he slips in that guy's blood and falls down and cracks his head open on the chronomatic axiom governor. One takes uh, seven. You cut his arm off. He tries to catch it with the other arm and becomes unbalanced and falls off the airship. One takes nine, and the last takes six. And uh, the last guy uh, staggers backwards, thrust in the belly, looks at his friend who falls and says, No! And then he jumps off. And then the other one looks at you and shrugs and gurgles up some blood and collapses in a heap. And now there's no one left except just 30 yards from you on the other airship looking furious 
as she stands on the poop deck is Harlotta, Queen of the Sky Pirates. Do you wish to take her on, the three of you? Do you have what it takes to fight Harlotta? She's giving you that obnoxious uh, Matrix come here gesture with her hand, you know, like it's a bad anime and she's ready to fight you. Arm goes and pees off the rail in her direction. (laughs) She uh, looks with distaste at first and then mild surprise and raises her eyebrows. (laughs) Bigger than you thought. I'll have that apparatus now, Farin, unless you'd like me to humiliate you here in front of your lackeys. Oh, are you going to make me come over there to kill you? Oh, why don't you just fly over? Flying is overrated. I'll walk. She says and begins to walk. Okay, you walk over there. You'll have to jump, you know, that last bit. Leap. Yeah, do a, go ahead and do a leap. It's a big enough leap that we probably need a uh, dexterity roll here. Less than oh, whoops. Uh, that's going to be a 19. It looks like you might have to fly. Well, so far in, yeah, makes a little leap, slips, falls off the uh, deck of the airship and begins plummeting to the earth and then transforms into a bird and flies yeah. up. Nice save. And then uh, once once above the deck of uh, Harlotta's ship, transforms back and says, I meant to do that. <laughs> I'm sure. Have at you, she says. And uh, you guys can clash. You are completely equal in skill. So, uh, <clears throat> but Farin, you are uh, more or less the, the aggressor and the intruder, and you have the initiative. And so you can go ahead and attack first. There is no penalty, no bonus here. She also is a 10 hit die character just like you. Well, uh, that'll be an 11, which will hit. You'll certainly hit her. And uh, you may go ahead and roll your damage. Forty-six. Forty-six. A buckle snaps and part of her armor falls off onto the ground as she spends an armor point to avoid that tricky girl, she says. And then she uh, spins around and tries to do a downward swiping motion. It's meant to cut you in two from the shoulder uh, down to your side. And go ahead and either parry or dodge that blow with either strength or dexterity. I will successfully parry with a six. And it bangs her sword out of the way. And then meanwhile, while this fight's happening, uh, Marm, do you want to do anything? Yeah, Marm would like to watch use this hookshot to swing over there and bash into her like a wrecking ball. Okay, I like it. Uh, yeah, go for it. And uh, to, to let's go ahead and have a range attack roll to have that hookshot in just the right place. You know, to leverage your way to swing right into her. The trajectory just mm-hmm. right. Let's, let's cue the Miley Cyrus music. That's that we right. Bought. We bought uh, the rights to it. Yes. I rolled a natural twenty. Okay, well, in this case, unfortunately, that'd be the worst thing you could possibly roll. And so, Marm, oh, you hit it in the right spot, all right. And Farhan, you feel this rush of air past your head as Marm swoops by, missing by about a foot and a half, and then loses his grip on the uh, edge of the hook shot and... 
uh, off down below, and we'll we'll catch up with him in a moment. Meanwhile, Corso, what are you doing? I'm gonna miss that little guy. Oh well. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get a little. I'm gonna get a closer look at this cat fight going on. So he's gonna <clears throat> try to leap over, I guess. Yeah, go ahead and make a dexterity roll. Don't roll. Yeah, roll under your dexterity, where you two oh, can join Marm and wherever he's going to end up. Uh, okay. I'm not as dexterous as I used to be, but I still got a pretty good high number there. And I got a 13 out of a 17. Okay, so you're up, you're right up the, you're standing right over, well, it's not like they're down on the ground, you know, pinching and slapping each other. This is a proper sword fight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Nevertheless, you're but right there. But clothes are coming off. I mean, some that is armor true. just fell off. That is true. In Harlotta's case, yes. Um, she's now in a sort of sleeveless uh, skin suit, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, so you just come over there to get a closer look. That sounds good. And uh, then, anyway, uh, Farin, you may uh, take up uh, another move. Uh, I know you think you've got the advantage, but you don't. You've always been a weaker fighter than me, Harlotta says. Uh, I don't think so, dear. She says, and hits again with a 13. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, you know what? Go ahead and roll damage, because it's not very much. She might not spend an armor point. I was going to save you the damage roll, because, you know, she's got a little bit of armor left. Well, 31. It's not terrible. Yeah, she does not want to take that. And then, bam! Oh, no! Now the top half of her armor, the buckle, you sliced it, it falls off. She's just there now, halter-topped, and uh, the bottom half of the pantsuit, her sleeves and top part hanging down. And she uh, only has one armor point remaining, though. And she whips back around with a flying, spinning maneuver, hoping to cut your head off. And you may go ahead and parry that with your vorpal sword. Uh, that's going to be a five. And you do. Cling! It rings out. Now you see the anger almost pass over her eyes. Meanwhile, Marm, you are still falling. Yeah, I hope there's some water at the bottom like last time. No, all you see is a jagged uh, ru- ru- ruins of a clockwork, giant clockwork golem. Uh, it's covered with foliage. Like I say, it looks like there's some heavy mosses down there. You might get lucky, but for you, it's just wind whistling past your ears as you fall. It'll right, take a well, while for you to fall. While Marm tries to use his short sword like a helicopter blade to slow himself down as he falls. <laughs> okay, okay. You know what? Um, I don't know if you have any percentiles, but I'm going to say there's a 1% chance that that will work because stranger <laughs> things have happened. There's a 1% chance that you'll get just enough lift to just to soften the blow enough that it wouldn't be instantly fatal, just crippling. No, well, you know, so you guys, you know, anyone who does look down and see Marm certainly has to admire his spirit. He's not going to go, you know, he's not going to give up. But, uh, Corso, what are you doing? You see this all happening in front of you, and uh, is there um, anything you'd like to contribute? I'm going to look over the edge and see if I can see Marm. Yeah, you see him down there Dot. swinging. <laughs> yeah, you see him swinging his little... You know, short sword over his head, like a like a rotor blade, trying to uh, arrest his fall. Um, can I cast Dimension Door? You sure can. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just can't let the little guy go out like that. And I'll, okay. I'll cast that on him and okay, put him back. Well, 
on the deck if I can. Yeah, Marm. Uh, suddenly, you find yourself. It must have worked because suddenly you find yourself. Bam! You're right back up on the deck. You don't know what just happened. You're a little ugh, discombobulated. You're not sure that all of your molecules are in the same place as they were a few seconds ago. But you're right here now uh, with Corso watching. Uh, your new friend Farah and fight Harlotta, the Queen of the Sky Pirates, who seems to be getting the worst of it, even though she is undamaged. Her armor is falling off. And uh, Farah and... I wanted to bring you back so you could watch this show right here. Wow, you you did that? Because I, I was falling, and then I like stopped falling, and I was up from where I was falling, so I must have fallen up somehow. Either that or like... Can't you quiet... Like, myself at the ground. Quiet that mirror. rat. Quiet that rat so we can fight. Harlotta Keep says. talking. You're distracting her. No, he's not. <laughs> uh, Farin, do you want to attack her? Uh, sure, I will hit again with a 14. Okay. And let's see what kind of damage we've got. She's got only one armor point left. 54. 54. Obviously, she's going to spend that last bit of armor and ridiculously, now the lower half of the skin suit falls. And, um,. Yeah, this armor is not very well connected, apparently. <clears throat> and now it's a full-on ivory bikini moment sword fight. And um, she does a... She tries to get tricky. You know, she's been doing the high-spinning thing. She goes for a low-spinning thing to, like, cut your ankles off, you know, as you'll topple over. And she drops and spins and swings her blade. And Farin, you must parry it. Another five. And again, drat, she says, you bangs her fist on the deck in anger and then leaps back up. And uh, uh, Marm, you're standing right there. Do you want to contribute anything to this situation now that you're up here? Yeah, uh, well, just some dialogue because she looks pretty good, but I don't think she looks as good as Farin because Farin's got a really nice figure and she still has some of her clothes on, but you know, the white really goes with her hair a little bit, but um, I don't think I'm going to do any fighting here. Shut up! Shut up, she said. And uh, Corso, do you want to do anything? <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, okay. I'm getting getting uh, closer. <laughs> well, she stands up. Harlotta stands up. And she looks over at you far and she goes, I may not be as pretty as you, but I am a true aeronaut something you will never be and then she pulls a lever on her Gaxium governor and she steps off the edge and plummets to her death and then you can see that the Gaxium governor on the <sighs> ship is going to overload and explode in about 10 seconds you guys will need to get back to the apparatus and get out of here I shouldn't have wasted that dimension door spell on Marm I could have saved it this hottie Oh, well. I don't think it was a waste. I really appreciate yeah. you using it on me, really, because it saved me because I didn't fall anymore. Well, yeah, I'm going but... to need three dexterity rolls because this uh, Gaxium governor on her ship, you can see the seams of it, rivets are starting to pop out. Uh, as you guys rush to jump back over oh, to... fuck. Is that going to oh, be... Well, no, no, of course we'll die. I wrote a natural 20. Oh shit, Corso! Yeah, it's not only do you fall, you, it's like the most embarrassing type of fall. You know, you fall and then bang your chin on the apparatus as you fall, and now you're spinning head over heels, head over heels, head over heels. Marm, how did you do? 
Rolled a nine. Did you make it, Marm? Yes. All right. And how about Farin? Five. Okay. Well, you guys both make it over. You're looking Corso spinning. Corso, what do you do? You're falling. What do you do? Do I have a chance to just shot him? Um, well, yeah, you sure could. It could hurt him. Uh, but go ahead if you want to. You have to grab your hook shot. So he's got about a round where he's going to do something. Uh, Corso's falling. Oh, no. Roll a four. And that hook shot comes out. All right. Well, Corso, you, uh, oh, you're hit with the Corso. You take six points of damage unless you'd like to use an armor on that. But frankly, I wouldn't waste the armor. I'd take the six. And take it. it hits you right in the chest, knocks the wind out of you. But uh, if you make a dexterity roll, you can grab onto the hook and chain before you fall. Okay, and you said uh, six damage? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, take six damage and then make a dexterity roll so that you can grab the hook because it's just kind of bounced off your chest. Well, I made it by one. You scramble for it. You just get it now, Marm. It was all fine and good, and now now you're not the world's biggest guy. You're three and a half feet tall, and suddenly there's a huge lurch on the gun in your hands as uh, it takes all of Corso's considerable weight, you know, because he's not a little guy. So, Marm, please make a strength roll to not have the hookshot gun ripped out of your hands. Yeah, it feels like there's about six gallons of salt marsh gold at the end of this thing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I rolled a five, so I managed to hold it. Oh, nice, nice. Well, eventually, Corso, you get back up on the deck of the apparatus. And uh, I, I kind of uh, picture Farin standing there watching Marm haul Corso up, much in the same way that Marm and Corso sat there and watched her fight. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I was planning for Farin to uh, be unhooking this exploding airship grappling hooks. Yes, and flying the hell out of there. Yes, she's been doing that and as you guys are, in fact as you're pulling him up, you know, you're roaring away in the apparatus, so of course it was like trailing out on the line, right? It's like almost like dragged behind it and there's a huge explosion as the Scarlet Skull goes up in flames and falls to the ground far below and congratulations, you have managed to defeat Harlotta, Queen of the Sky Pirates. And now, a word from our sponsors. Kaz Javits here to talk to you about Gax Cola, the refreshing blue beverage made with real Gaxium. Now I know what you're thinking. Gaxium, isn't that the stuff they use to fuel airships? Well, yes it is, but it's also a tasty drink. I drink it every day. And it's 100% completely safe. (laughs) Excuse me. It's 100% completely safe. What the fuck, man? What the fuck is happening to me? I'm turning blue. I'm turning blue. What the fuck? I'm turning blue. Why? Taste the tingle.
warmest greetings, friends. Have you ever dreamt of traveling the skies, exploring exotic lands such as the Isle of Orange, or being able to travel from Brockwall to Highseat in mere hours? Well, now you can. My name is Butterscotch Whipple, and I'm here to introduce the Gravoir Line, a fleet of affordable airships sailing the skies above Lodessa on regular schedules. Air travel is no longer a luxury reserved for nobles and diplomats. Oh, no. Everyone is welcome aboard our ships to experience the joy and speed of sailing the skies. Send away for the latest schedules by writing to Gravois Line, Imperial Airfield, Zellamont Fort, Isle of Orange, and book your journey, be it for business, pleasure, or family leisure, as soon as possible. We look forward to serving you. Line is not responsible for the death, injury, or illness of passengers due to piracy, plague, disease, fire, acts of war, going pilot error, food poisoning, chronomatic accident, covering explosions, spontaneous bag deflation, wood rot, or wiring encounters while aboard our ships. Chances of death or serious injury while traveling with Gravel Line are less than one in six. Insurance is available from bonded third-party agencies. All right. Well, it's been a, a, a long journey through Farwall, and it's, again, towards the end of that day, uh, you're flying through the Spinal Mountains. It's too cold to fly over them, you know, you, to go up that high. So most aeronauts maneuver in between them. It's usually not very dangerous. It's not like there's any real tight fits. But as you're going by, uh, on either side of you are jagged, pine-covered peaks, and little snake-like wisps of cloud weaving their way in and out of the mountains. And at any given point, you might not be you know, that far away from, from a mountainside. And on one of the mountains up ahead, there's this line of so-called white flowers peeking out through the trees. These ancient artifacts have been here since primordial times. They're scattered throughout wilderness areas. They aim at the sky, uh, and folks say they quiver and hum with the words of Gonan himself. If someone from our world were to look at them, they would sure look a lot like radio telescopes or satellite dishes of some kind but uh, as you're admiring those so-called flowers the branches of some trees behind them actually part and you can see really tiny like the size of toy soldiers there are several hyper flines big hairy flines dog-like humanoids and they're aiming this massive very primitive but very massive ballista right at the apparatus and it launches and those dog-like hyperflying just howl with glee as the huge bolt strikes the bag of your airship. They've been waiting. they got the perfect shot. And there's a huge lurch as it hits the bag above you. And everybody, everybody make dex rolls or you can fall off into the trees on the mountainside. Oh, I rolled right on it, so I failed. Oh, no. A firing goes off. And you, uh, again, though, luck- luckily, you're not that far from the trees on the mountainside. Any other failures? Yep. Okay. Farin, you go off the edge, but you can see that there's air leaking from your airbag now anyway. You know that apparatus can heal itself magically, but not instantly. And it's starting to go down slowly. But Farin, you land in the trees, and you know all the different branches break your fall, right? So it's like boom, 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 boom. And they're pine branches, so it's slowly... Well, you only take six points of damage from the landing. Meanwhile, you two guys who are still on the apparatus, uh, you're going down real slow. It's not going to It's not gonna be a hard crash landing, but land you will until the you, this airbag can heal itself. And uh, the hyperflines far, and as soon as you land and stand back up, you can see... They're running towards you to attack. Your friends are almost down now, too. 
these hyperflines are spinning their flying bars, running through the trees. Flying bars are like this nunchuck-like weapon of three linked bars. It's their special weapon. And, uh, come out and fight like a dog, one of them cries. Free dogs! Yells another one. Free dogs! And they're all shouting the name of their own tribe. And, uh, I'm afraid there's going to be another fight here with these flines, unless you can somehow make friends with them. And you guys are in the shadow of these white flowers, you know, uh, here. Uh, the trees have grown up all among the white flowers. And, in fact, they really do seem like they hum. You can almost feel this vibration from the flowers, like... One zero zero one 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 zero 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 one one zero zero one 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 zero zero. It just pulses through you during this fight. The hyperflines are screaming and running, but again, you guys are far more powerful than them individually. And far, and since you were down there first, uh, you may make the first attack. And uh, three of these hyperflines comes rushing in at you. There look like there are nine of them altogether. Far, and three of them have have a. I rushed up to you. You would be at a minus four bonus if you wanted to attack all of them. Well, uh... Oh, a bonus. Okay, yeah. In that case, I will attack all of them. All right. And with the minus four, that's going to be a two. And, oh, that's certainly... This pack, like, leaps uh, at your direction, but you're ready for them. And you may roll damage as your four-ball blade slices around. Thirty-nine. Uh... So, uh, 11, 11, and, uh, 8. Or no, 11, 11, and 18. Okay. The one that you did 18 points of damage to, the verbal blade goes right through him into his belly. You can feel it slice past his spinal cord, and he quivers and howls one last time and falls on the ground. The other two howl with pain, but they're not hurt quite as bad as he was. <laughs> I did that. I did that math wrong, but whatever. Well, I think it's probably close enough. And, uh... Marm, meanwhile, you guys are just about to land. Uh, you can see these three flies. They're rushing up towards you. They're still, uh... They're nearby. They're not right up on you, but you could attack with a ranged weapon if you wished as you land, Marm. You'd be landed at the end of this round. And the, the three the flies are jumping up and down. There's six of them trying to converge with where the airship is coming in for its landing. What do you do, Marm? Marm is not yet convinced that the wrecking ball is a bad idea, so he's going to try it one more time, swinging down on a rope from the airship uh, as it descends into the mass of writhing hyperflines on the ground. Well, as usual, it's a terrible idea because there's really not that much room, but terrible ideas have never bothered Marm. And uh, so you come swinging in. And a four is going to succeed in that case. It sure is going to succeed. Now, this is your body itself doing the damage, more or less. So it will be your unarmed damage. Uh, and you go boom, 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 and hit all three of them in a row. So you can either roll the total and divide it, or you can roll separately for each one. Uh, you got 10 D6 to play with. Uh, five, five, and six... Uh, so eight points of damage. Okay. Now that's not enough to kill any of them, obviously, but the force of your blow forces them to stumble and fall backwards, and they land prone. Their lower legs, you know, come flying up into the air, and their tails between them. They're scrambling to get up, and uh, I assume you've dropped off the uh, rope at this time, and 
do a landing amongst the trees. Yes. And yes, and then Corso, you're just right at the edge of the airship. It's going to touch down any second. There's three flying menacing you and giving you come on looks and uh, barking at you. What do you do, Corso? Is there any way to like land the ship on them? Well, not really. No. Okay. Yeah, you're well, kind of coming in at an angle of a hill, and they're kind of actually above the level of the airship at this point. Okay. I will, uh... Once it lands, I will, um... Or right before it lands, I'm just gonna, like, jump off it and do a little somersault, but it looks... I just picture it looking very awkward... Uh, since he forgets that he's as old as he is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, ah, my back. Oh, and then he's gonna wave his wand at the. Wand. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. All right. Well, roll a d4 to see if the wand goes off. Can't always get that thing. Doesn't always get it up these days. A one in four chance of not working. Oh my god! I rolled a one. <laughs> oh no! So you jump, you do the flip, you wave it at him, and what? Nothing happens. They Come howl on. with laughter. And, uh, uh, meanwhile, far and two of those flines are still fighting you, and uh, they swing their flying bars in your direction. If you want to uh, parry both of them at the same time, uh, you would actually get a minus five bonus now. Uh, with a minus five bonus, that is a uh, zero. That's great. That's great. And again, the flying bars bang off of the Vorpal Sword as you weave it about you in a net of defense. And Marm, the three of them who are on the ground, uh, they get up at you and rage is in their eyes now. Their, their little yellow doggish eyes almost turn red with anger and they bare their teeth at you. And they uh, are so angry they don't even pick up their flying bars and come in with their teeth bared, saliva dripping off their jaws. And once again, it looked like you just might get eaten for breakfast. Only these guys might really eat you. And... Uh, Marm, um, if you would like to dodge all of their attacks at the same time, you may do so at a minus four bonus. They're, the reason you guys are having, getting a lot of bonuses is because you're very high level, even against multiple foes who are lower level than you. With the bonus, it'd be a four. All right, leaping and dodging, uh, they cannot lay hands on you, and it's 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 irritating them quite a bit as well. Uh, of course, so those three laugh at you, and then the three of them together swing their uh, their flying bars, and they're doing this coordinated way too. There's like three little circles of death: spin, 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 and they come rushing up to attack you. Do you want to try to parry it with your sword by making a strength roll, or do you want to uh, dodge out of the way with a with a dexterity roll? Mm. Dexterity roll probably my best. Okay, roll. I hope you make it. And so you're going to have a minus four bonus to this roll. Back, doggies, back. And uh, I rolled an eight. Well, you do. You back out of the way. But then suddenly at the end of the round, the bushes uh, wiggle up ahead and a big hyperflying leaps out from behind the bushes. He's wearing a mountain yak skull for a helmet. And he's got a necklace of stones. He's clearly some kind of hyperflying shaman. He's probably their leader, and he goes, You nasty black puddlian spies! You think you could steal our land? We'll show you! And he waves his hands, and he goes, Boogala, 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 as if he's going to cast a spell. This is Boogala, Lord of the Flines, and uh, 
He's going to get you. A fireball rips towards you guys. And go ahead and make dexterity rolls to jump out of the way. Of course, he also, based on what he said, he thinks that you're Black Pudley and spies. Uh, well, I failed. No, no! Did anyone else fail? Nope. Okay. Far in your armor might have to save you here. As 30 points of damage rip in your direction, Farin. Yeah, I'll have to use an armor point there. Yeah, you know, you can kind of, kind of, uh, you know, do a crouch and uh, curl your body up into a ball where the armor will take most of that. And a lot of the outer layer of that rubber armor kind of melts off, make it pockmarked looking along the back. But uh, luckily, at the cost of a point of armor, you don't uh, you don't take any damage. Now, now that you know this guy thinks you're Black Pudling, does anyone want to try to parlay and, and stop this this uh, fight before it goes any further? Yeah, Marm throws down the boomerang he was getting ready to draw in disgust, puts his hands on his hips, and you goes by Gonin's grimy grimy grundle. You thought we were from Blackpool? We are on our way to Blackpool, you stupid canines. Mm, well, mm, is not stupid. I am the smartest of all hyperflines. I have the power of magic. Mm, but our enemies are Black Pudlians. They have driven us out. We, the free dogs, driven out of the Red Coast. You know, that's the part of the Elderlands that's that's closest to the island of Blackpool. It's like all these red cliffs. They're kind of like the white cliffs of Dover in England, only they're red. Um, we've been driven out because that Black Pudlian leader, Lord Bane, he's caused this great machine to be built there, and it's sucking up land into it. Where it goes, no one knows. Trees, flowers, birds, beasts, stones, dirt, water, it all goes into this huge machine and it never comes back. Uh, if you're not if you're not Black Pudlians, then who are you? You say you're going there? You You better not be going to join him. Oh, no, we're going to see what he's up to, and I've, I'm afraid you've actually just told us quite a lot of potentially very useful information, so thank you. Oh, well, who are you? Oh, I'm Farin, Queen of Farwell, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now the other flies who weren't dead yet, all, you know, they're, they're standing up and stretching, and, uh, oh, and they all come around and look at you, and they're all... This is not rude in their culture, and it's luckily you know it, but now they all come up and start smelling you guys and getting close and sniffing you all over. And, uh... Whoa, 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 would... whoa. <laughs> Watch it. Watch it. I, Boogla, tell you this, Queen Farn. If you defeat Lord Bane and the Free Dogs, we will swear loyalty to you. But defeat them you must. Lord Bane is a terrible threat to this land. Sucking up the world destroying it. Who knows? I just wanted to point out that uh, if you swear loyalty to the queen, which I think is a good idea, but if you do, uh, I don't think you guys can call yourself free dogs anymore. Well, we'll call ourselves whatever we want. At least we're not been reduced to being a queen's jester. That's obviously what you are. (laughs) You watch it there, flea bag. Mm. Waving that impotent wand around. I just have to play with it a little bit first, and then it <laughs> wakes up. Prove it. It works fine. Prove it. You don't want him to prove it, sir, I, I assure yeah. you. It's a bad idea. That's what I thought. 
But nevertheless, you you serve a powerful master. And so if you can defeat Lord Bane, then yes, the free dogs will be in your service forever. Yes, very well. That sounds wonderful. Um, I'm afraid we're going to have to uh, wait for our lovely ship, which you've ballisted, to uh, repair itself. But yeah, pretty, uh, pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Uh, didn't even have to roll for that one. <laughs> right, boys? And they all laugh and look at each other. Oh, listen. We have... We have something for you. I have something that will help you while we wait. If you're going to fight Lord Bane, he could be very terrible. So I want to give each of you some dog water. And he brings up uh, uh, coconuts for you. They've been hollowed out with corks in them. Yes, you might call it a healing potion. We'll restore you to full health when you need it. And also, I'm going to give each of you one of these magical beans I have. And if you eat this bean... It will protect you for about an hour, and then you'll be very flatulent. And you'll be very flatulent for about an hour, an hour. But basically, if you eat one of these beans, it gives you an extra magic point for about an hour. I'm not magic point. It gives you an extra. If you eat one of these beans, it gives you an extra armor point for about Ah. an hour. Yeah. And of course, the dog water is a healing potion that will restore you to full hit points once when you need it. Okay, so we, we get one of each of the, of yeah. the healing potions? Yeah. yeah, and then he gives you each a bean. Right. Yeah, it's a bean to fight Bane. How uh-huh. poetic. Bean for Bane. I don't get it, he says. And obviously, Boogala, leader of the Free Dogs, may not be quite as bright as he thinks. So, he is still the smartest hyperflying, though. He's the smartest and the most tremendous and bigly hyperflying I've ever seen. Of course I got funny here, though. (laughs) At least I can get my wand to work. You you just watch it there, mister. Well, after making friends with the free dogs, you're deep in the Elder Lands. Your apparatus having repaired itself over the course of the rest of the afternoon. Now night has fallen, and the moons shine down over the trackless forest of trees below you. And every now and then, the moonlight illuminates the stone ruins of ancient cities of the Odium Empire, now long dead. But suddenly, the moonlight is blotted out. And as you look above you, you see an incredibly vast bulk floating through the air silently so silently you didn't even notice its approach it's long and sinuous and indescribably huge it is Gunga Khan the legendary sky serpent it could swallow you whole with just one bite the entire apparatus and suddenly it lurches and twists and this huge shadow lurches down towards you with this impossibly wide open mouth so foreign or whoever is flying, make a dexterity roll with a plus six penalty to avoid being swallowed by Gunga Khan. Well, I assume it would probably be <clears throat> foreign uh, piloting, although she probably isn't the best at it. But she rolls a four, so well, nice. with a plus five, so it'd be yeah, plus six or plus six, plus so six. ten. Still, still, still nice. Success. Well, you get the the hot breath comes out of you, but at the last minute. You swing the controls, and the airship lurches out of the way, and you can hear the huge jaws snap. You almost feel like you could fly right into it. Uh, meanwhile, this huge bulk is slowly turning back 
around uh, to uh, come at you guys again, but it's big and slow, and you guys are fast. Is there anything anyone wants to do with ranged weapons or anything else uh, in the meantime? All right, come on, baby. Come on, baby. I'm going to give my wand a shake. And I did not roll a one. Okay, roll percentiles. See what Gunga Khan thinks of the wand of one. Let me down, baby. Oh my god. I rolled a 100. Okay, well, you roll a 100 and Gunga Khan must roll against Gunga's Khan. Ha ha ha. Nice. Nicely done, Sean. Thank you, thank you. And. Yes, it is. Oh no. Oh no. Gunga Khan is instantly petrified, and there's a terrible crackling sound as the huge <laughs> beast slowly turns to stone. It's so big, you know, it has to radiate out from the point where you you wave the wand, and it cannot fly, obviously. Its entire biology is it begins to slowly topple out of the sky and it begins to flip over with its huge long body and you there's a gust of wind you know is created by this and the top of the tail as the body flips over looks like it could be in danger smashing down right on top of the apparatus unless Farin can pilot out of the way in time uh oh again due to the size differences again with a plus six penalty uh, that will be with a plus six and eleven altogether, which still succeeds. Fortunately. And you go right through the curly. You know, the tail was a little bit curled when it turned to stone, and so there's like a little ring, and the airship goes right up to the ring of his body, and it falls down into the darkness. You don't even get the pleasure of seeing its body smash into so many pieces because, of course, it's so far down and so dark. Uh, but. <clears throat> There's a sound of uh, trees falling and rending and what might be a small avalanche. And you don't know what the ultimate fate of Gunga Khan could just been. But Gunga, because too bad you did not get a photograph or a little pictograph of it before. Because if you could get a little pictograph on a little glass plate, the high sea observer will pay you a thousand yeah. far. Yes. I would have sent that to those stupid flines to show them I still got it. Yeah, you do. You just took down Gunga Khan with the Wand of Wonder. Congratulations. And uh, <clears throat> actually, you know, Gunga Khan rolling an 18 on that Khan saving throw did not help matters at all. Because if you had made the Khan roll, you'd be in big trouble right now. Maybe inside of Gunga Khan. But uh, anyway, you don't need to worry about that. I guess Gunga Khan will <laughs> think twice if you ever becomes living again or somehow turned back into what he once was, you'll think twice about uh, tangling with uh, the apparatus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, blow the end of my uh, wand like as if it was a gun, you know, smoking gun. Right, right. Blow it and then twirl it and not, uh, not activate it when I twirl it, but you know, <laughs> just for show, and then put it back in my holster. Yeah. Nice. Well, you guys fly until morning over the Elder Lands. And at dawn, you can see the red coast in the south. And beyond that uh, is the salty shallows. The red coast is 
so-called because, again, there's that big line of red rock cliffs there. However, in the distance, many, many miles away, you can see this huge machine. And it must be huge because it is miles away. It is like an immense, massive black pyramid the size of a mountain. Well, the biggest man-made structure you've ever seen is Power Tower Orco, and this dwarfs Power Tower Orco. It's got this huge hole in the side of it. And it seems like the very world itself, like the fabric of reality all around it, is just disassembling and spiraling into the hole on that huge pyramid off on the horizon. This has got to be what Boogala was talking about. And uh, you're, you're afraid to even get close to it to investigate it anymore. You know, you might be sucked in, too. Obviously, this must be what they're talking about, these infernal machines that this Lord Bane can create. If you want to stop whatever's happening there, you'll obviously have to get to Lord Bane somehow. You have the strong feeling that only he can really stop this. And uh, if you want to, would you like to risk a closer look, or uh, would you rather leave well enough alone and uh, keep going towards Colsador? Well, metagamingly, uh, I don't want to get I, I have a very strong suspicion of uh, where stuff that gets sucked into this is going but Farn obviously has no clue uh, and probably just be terrified of, of getting near it um, oh yeah it's definitely terrifying you know it's, like, it's almost like a black hole you know I kind of want to see what's inside I don't know what's inside I've never been inside of one of those we see what's inside. We like well, inside neither we fly back out. Maybe. Mm. I don't think that's a good idea. Certainly not if it's a one-way portal, anyway. And I have no way of knowing whether it is. Uh, at least not without asking Bane. But you can see that the, the very coastline has been changed. You know, from maps you've seen it, and it's literally. You know, you even think the sea level has gone down. Some of the islands are standing a little higher in the water than they should. And and uh, it really does seem like a, a threat, you know, to the world itself. But, yeah, you definitely have the extremely strong feeling that, that flying near it would get you sucked in and probably torn apart as well because, you know, you can see that uh, as things go in, they're, they're disassembling. You know, they're coming apart into their constituent pieces. It's really nasty. And, and, and again, even scarier because it is so far away, it must be absolutely huge. Well, I can't imagine that the uh, the local population is quite fond of this either. Um, I suspect they likely aren't very fond of Bane. Yeah, well, there's there only is one way. There is a local population left. Mm. Indeed. There's only one way to find out if there's a population left and how they feel about Bane, and I guess that's too well. Uh, go to Colsador, you know he is. But um, leaving this this horrific sight, you know, off to starboard, by mid-morning you're sailing out over the salty shallows. These are very clear, shallow seas, and you can see from up here in the sunlight beneath the waves, you can see big shadows of ruins of the cities of the demon seamen who used to raid Blackpool back in the Age of Fable. And you can see little pods of dolphins and octopus folk and others far below. But by mid-afternoon, you can see the smudge of Blackpool Island in the distance and the many smokes rising from the capital city of Colsador. 
Now, Blackpool, of course, is the great enemy of Farin's kingdom. And for two decades, a cold war has simmered, you know, between the nations. Until recently, there was a fascist group called the First Party in control of a so-called republic that ruled Blackpool. But now, this mysterious Lord Bane seems to have taken over. So, you don't know a lot about him. Uh, Perhaps you can gather some useful clues or intelligence that might help in the taverns of Colsador. You can see, as you get closer to the city itself, that there's a squadron of great black-bagged war dregs, which is the largest kind of battleship, just circling the city. And it might be best to land further away and, you know, retract the apparatus into its carrying case, perhaps, and go in on, on foot. I'll let you guys think about how to do that. There's some wooded hills off to the west of the city with a lot of small, blackish-looking, mineral-rich ponds and lakes, which is where this region gets its name. And there's a road that kind of winds through them and leads directly into the towering black walls that are around Colsador. And there's a huge gate, many, many stories high, that you can see even from a distance. It's standing open, and you can see there's like a stream of farmers and tradesmen going in and out of the city. And so uh, by now it is afternoon, and we'll be evening soon. So how would you guys like to try to get into the city of Colsador? Well, I think we should uh, <clears throat> land and, and you know, pack up the apparatus. I mean, there's <laughs> getting into a, a scrum with some uh, war dregs is never going to be a, uh, a good idea with this thing. So, mm, Yeah, I don't think that's going to go well. So I think we should land, go on foot, even though uh, I'm not in too good of shape right now. Well, that's probably true, but uh, Farin, why don't you make a wisdom roll to see what the best way, you know, the best route to come down where you'll be least likely to be seen by any of the travelers on the road or anything else, kind of a casual way to, to set her down. Uh, I failed that with a 16. No, well, unfortunately, right before you go down in through the trees, you're almost certain, you're almost almost absolutely certain that somebody on the road looked up and went like and had their hand up over to shield their eyes as if they were trying to see something from a distance. They didn't look like an important soldier. It looked like one of the tradesmen and farmers on the road. But somebody saw you land, you think. Well, what are the odds that they would recognize the apparatus? Uh, Hopefully slim. Yes, hopefully so. Well, you guys can get closer to the city now that you're uh, on foot and you come walking out of the wooded lake region and join the throng on the road. That person's not like standing around looking. You didn't even see any real details about him. But uh, the afternoon is getting closer and closer to evening by now. And as you get closer to that big gate, there are guards in black armor wearing red cloaks over the armor with a symbol of a black sun on them. And, uh, they're the Black Sun Guard. They're, they've always been, you know, here in Blackpool. Always in command of the city. Always uh, commanded by whoever commands the city. They ignore you as you walk through the gate. There's no customs formalities. And the streets of Colsador inside and beyond this huge multi-story gate are crowded and narrow and dark. Especially because 
even though it's late at night, even if it were broad daylight, it would be dark here because the upper stories of all the buildings, you know, they jut out just below the lower stories and they only have this little narrow strip of sky at the top and tangy bluish gax smoke hangs heavily in the air here as auto carts and cycles putter about and they're competing for space with horses and pedestrians and on almost every corner there are huge posters every crossroads when you look up at all the buildings there are gigantic posters with a picture of a very handsome man with sort of longish hair and a very serious but almost smug expression but it's like two-toned you know so it's easy to print and the word Bane is emblazoned across the top of all of these posters. And they're everywhere you look. You turn a corner, bam, there's a poster. And you have come to, in this first area that you've come to, this whole uh, neighborhood, there's streets that's just lined with taverns. They all look snug. They all look private. They're all tucked away from prying eyes on the street, it seems. Blue Gax lights are starting to flick on everywhere now as it gets darker and darker. And uh, there are several taverns close to you. There's the Four Swans, the Slow Hare, there's the Grim Turtle, there's the Crossed Swords. Do do any of those sound interesting to you at all? It's a place to wet your whistle and gather some intelligence. I'm going to gather some some saltwash gold and some food. I think we should visit all these taverns just to make sure we get all the so-called intel we can. And food. Well, the, the closest one's called the Four Swans. Beyond that, on the streets, the Slow Hare, and then the Grim Turtle, and then the Cross Swords. And of course, there's about four thousand others as well. I, <clears throat> I don't think we have time to visit all of them, probably. But uh, might as well start with the closest, eh? Mm, all right. Well, the closest one, as I say, is the uh, the Four Swans, and. When you enter through the door, the room actually opens up, and you see you've walked into a courtyard. It's a three-story tall building, and it's open to the sky in the middle. And when you walk into the courtyard, you know, there are galleries on each of the stories overlooking the courtyard, and there are tables up on them. Down here in the courtyard, there's a long bar that's sitting under a canopy. And the place is fairly crowded. People turn and look at you, but uh, don't pay you any special interest. There's this really grim, hairy little man sitting behind the, the bar, and uh, he's just selling actual buckets. He's handing out buckets to people, and uh, they look like they're only serving the buckets, so you guys could go uh, order a bucket. Oh, uh, I'll have a vomit bucket, please. <laughs> I'll take a bucket, but it looks like it'd make a terrible hat. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty good on you. Yeah. I see you eyeballing this bucket, little one, says the unpleasant little hairy man behind the bar. I was actually looking at the other bucket because that one looks like it might have a little bit of dirt on the outside of it. And I just washed my hands a little bit ago. Well, several days ago, but it was with the queen here. So I washed my hands and now they're clean. I don't want to get them dirty with the dirty bucket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, if I give you a bucket full of uh, full of uh, Blackpool number seven brew, perhaps, would that shut you up? Uh, for a little while, I might need a second one. Oh, for the love of Conan. All right. Uh, uh, see, you. what about you, Chubby? She said to you, Corsha. Yeah. Have a bucket? <laughs> yeah, give me a bucket. All right. There's, a, there's the old Blackpool number seven for you. And how about you, pretty lady? I suppose I'll take a bucket as well. What is uh, Blackpool number seven, you said? 
Oh yeah, Blackpool Number Seven, the finest that I. You, if you sip it, it's basically a rather hoppy brew. It's refreshing, and he's he's pulling it up from a hole in the floor, almost like it's a well, and it's really cold. So you know they're storing it down there where it's where it's cold. So it's like a cold bucket. I'm sorry about the crowd in here, but Lord Bane, you know, he's declared this whole fortnight to be a holiday. Put coins in every man's pocket to celebrate, but yeah. people still aren't happy, of course, you know. But hey, most of them are unemployed anyway. On the way into town, I couldn't help but noticing a giant vortex uh, sort of consuming the entire countryside. Mm. You saw it? I've yes. heard tell of it. Well, it's best not to ask questions about such things. You know, the news sheets began reporting it, and suddenly the guards took them away. And then the Black Crystal reported it on the broadcast, and then the Black Crystal broadcast suddenly stopped. For a few days, that is. Now they play nothing but an endless tirade of praise for Lord Bane. No, I, I wouldn't know about such things. You know who would, though? You uh, see that fellow? Yes, look over there, up on the balcony, third balcony. You know, they say that uh, as soon as Bane took the Black Castle, that he sacked all the bureaucrats who used to run things, and they've got some kind of big mechanical brain in there now. You believe that? Hmm? Well, over there, up on the third balcony there, that's Grover Hotwater. He's the former Chancellor of the Interior. Look at him now, crying in his ale. He used to know all the secrets of state under the first party, but... He's just one of us now. You're just one of us now! He yells up at Grover Hotwater. And uh, anyway, yeah, you look up and there's this sad-faced man with blue mutton chops. He's sitting along the edge of the the, the balcony in the gallery up there above you. Now, you, you do you want do you want to go talk to him? Yes, I do think that uh, we should ask him a few questions, boys. Yeah, he definitely has, uh, you know, the equivalent of a giant exclamation point floating above his head as if he just looks like he's a terribly interesting person to talk to. Uh, even if he has adopted the fashion of dyeing his mustaches and mutton chops and beards blue, which is uh, fashion here in Colsador, as you're starting to realize. But he looks surprised when you climb up there to the uh, gallery. And now you're looking down below at the you know, you can see the little hairy man down there under the bar far below you. And again, the place is filling up. Uh, from up here, too, you can see out of the place onto some taller buildings. And that big poster of Bane is, like, looking down at you almost. But uh, he does look surprised, Grover Hotwater, when you come to see him. And his eyes go wide. He looks at you far and he goes, <gasps> I recognize you. Yes, I thought you might. Oh, you'd best be careful here. The Lord Bane will send the entire Black Sun God after you. If he finds uh, if he finds you here, you're as good as dead. Yes. Uh, well, of course we've uh, we've come seeking uh, intelligence about this Bane. Uh, we heard mm. he was doing some horrible things, and indeed, on the way in, witnessed uh, some sort of vortex consuming the countryside. Oh, I don't know. I could get into serious, serious trouble. And he looks at each of you one by one. And I need each of you to make a charisma test. Well, less than your charisma on a d20. Even if you're not talking to him, he's assessing you as a group. And at least two of you need to pass it. 
success as well. Oh, nice. Oh, I got a two. Well, he definitely thinks that Dead Marm is certainly cute and inoffensive enough. Uh, it's because he hasn't really talked to him yet. And uh, far, and he already at least has some respect for politically. And Corso does well for himself, bats his big baby blues, and looks very innocent. And, uh, well, I could get in trouble, but... No, I... What if I did get in trouble? I wish I could go back to the old days when good old fascists used to run things. They knew how to get things done. Uh, at least they knew the value of a good bureaucrat, you see. The Lord Bane comes out of nowhere with deep pockets and his infernal machines, and he puts that mechanical brain in charge of everything. I can outthink any mechanical brain. And he gives me the sack, and he's got that big machine up on the Red Coast sucking up everything in existence. There's something strange about that, what I'm telling you. I don't even think he's from this world at all. Maybe he's like that god the ancient Odiumites used to worship, came here from another star. Hmm? I don't know. Maybe I talk too much. I've had too much of this, too much of this number seven. I'd like to get back into the Black Castle, you know, because I left my attache case in there. And there's some very sensitive documents in it, personal notes and whatnot to my sweet lady friend, you understand, but I'm not allowed back in. I know a secret way, of course, but I'm far too afraid to use it. Oh, did you say secret way? Yes, there's a secret way. You said you're afraid, too afraid to use it, but... Oh, certainly I'm not. Really? Hmm. We're not, she says, and motions to uh, Corso and Marm. Oh, I see. These are your specialists, then. Uh, And I'm not, no, I'm no stranger to back doors, so... Well, I could see the little one squeezing in through a back way, but I'm not so sure about you. You look like you are, you look like you you look like a battery player who's gone to seed. No, no offense. Well, you'd be surprised if I just uh, apply a little bit of butter, I can squeeze in. <laughs> I happen to like butter a lot too. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Hardwater, also. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, clearly, you are, are aware of who I am, and uh, I'm yes, assume yes, yes. that you are aware of my career prior to politics. Yes, I see in your dossier, of course. And uh, have you heard of Nicholas Corso? Yes, yes, I have. Yes, yes, I have. Oh, rather, rather unfortunate and terrible person. From everything I've read, I would never want to meet him in real life. He sounds absolutely appalling. Would you like to wave yeah. your wand of wonder at him, Corso? <gasps> oh, oh. Well, but, well, perhaps once we've learned of this secret way. Well, no, no, there's no need for the wand. I, I told you enough as it is, but no, maybe if I, anyone could. I just want to say, I I get a bad rap, but I'm not, uh, once you get to know me, I'm, I'm a pretty decent guy. And I was going to ask you, who, who is this, uh, the guy that does the portraits for these, these, these posters of Bane? Because I want to hire him. Oh, uh, I, I, I want that. He, I, I think he could capture me perfectly. Perhaps so, but uh, the, 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 I, I have no idea who did the portraits. But certainly, the documents and records from such payments would be in the Black Castle itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's only one thing that concerns me, and I know who you are. He says to Farin, and now I know who you are. He says to Corso, but I'm still not sure about this one. And we're still not sure about him either. 
I'm Marm, and I'm from the future. At least that's what they said. So I guess it's allegedly from the future. So I could be from the future. I guess I could be from the past, and the numbers just got mixed up somewhere. But um, I think I'm from the future because I fell out of the sky with a big explosion when I fell through the hoop from the arm store. Not an arm store like you buy guns and sort of weapons and stuff at, but arm store where you get actual arms. But yeah. I. <laughs> I'm sorry I asked. Never mind. I'm sure you're very well qualified. <laughs> yeah, we were going to shoot him out of a cannon, and now this is what we get. Can we still do that sometime? Talk. Well, I hope you sh- <laughs> Well, yes, of course. As soon as we've uh, resolved this issue with Bane, I, I, and we get back to high seat, I would love to fire you out of a cannon. <laughs> I've seen a wee mold I fired out of a cannon at the circus. The fascists used to put on an excellent circus. They're very big on pageantry, you know, the fascists. Well, it sounds, it doesn't sound like, I mean, the fascists have obviously a, a large bureaucracy here, but, um, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like as though Bane, um, Bane isn't really much better, is he? Maybe worse. Yes, yes, he's worse. I admit it, he's worse. But really, I need my attache case. Those letters would really embarrass my, my special lady friend, you understand. It's in the administrative center. Now, listen, I told you about a secret way. And he looks both ways. It's the safe trash room. Now, the castle always saves its trash for a fortnight before it finally gets destroyed. At least it did. After all, some bureaucrat might accidentally toss in an important paper. But Lord Bane's done away with paper. It's a paperless castle now. So the furnace is unused. And there's a smokestack on the back end of the Black Castle. And a good climber, you see, could come in that way. And once you're in there, you're in the heart of the administrative center. Now, most of the Black Sun Guard, they're on the perimeter. They don't expect a penetration up the pipe, you see, or down the pipe, as it were. But they say that Lord Lord Bane, they say Lord Bane is creating Gaxium Superman in there. And I know the administrative center is trapped against intruders at night. I, I'd never go back in myself, but great heroes like you could certainly do it. What do you say? Will you will you retrieve my attaché case for me? And it's ridiculous that he thinks you come all this way to do him a personal favor of retrieving his attaché case, but that's like his number one priority. Well, if I can find it, I will grab it and bring it back to you on the way out. Yes, it's in the math room. And you say these... The, the the contents of this attaché is what? Oh, they'd be very embarrassing for my special lady friend. Oh. They're letters of a personal nature. I've got a few special lady friends myself. Yes, I'm sure you used to, yes. So if you want any tips, I could slip something into that attaché. No, you mustn't open it. You mustn't open the attaché case under any circumstances. Uh, All right, suit yourself. All right. You've got, like, order slips for boner pills or something. Anyway, never mind about that. I've told you how to get in. Now, now, now. It's going to look suspicious if we sit here and talk for much longer. I'm still well known here. The people are ignorant. They might not recognize you, but they'll think I'm speaking to spies if I linger much longer with the likes of you. Well, Queen Farin, you gotta do something about that scar. But what can you do? Makeup? Uh, I I actually know a thing or two about makeup. uh, Got some wrinkles in my hair. 
Uh, I've been using ink to cover up the gray, but that just makes a mess. That's why I want to know. I want to speak to this Lord Bane and see if he's uh, really as good looking as he appears to be in this poster. But, uh, yeah, if you could. I'm sure one of these women around here's got some some kind of paint we could paint over that uh, nasty scar of yours. <clears throat> well, and I assume Farin probably has, uh, <clears throat> you know, makeup. <clears throat> Excuse me. Makeup and stuff, and she could probably at least make an attempt to conceal it somewhat. Sure. Yeah, sure. Although so far it hasn't been that much of a problem. Maybe it's true, and the people are ignorant. And you know, coming from a fascist government, the pictures that they show of Queen Farin might not look anything like you at all. They might look like some terrible, monstrous, you know, hag, you know, to demonize you. But but disguising yourself is not a terrible idea. You know, I mean, especially if you got captured or something. But uh, there's a line of painted ladies uh, waiting to get into the ladies' room. And uh, if you'd like to go put on some makeup in there, you'll be just another lady adjusting her her makeup in the... Powdering her nose. Powdering her nose, as it were. Uh, yeah, I think I uh, would like to supervise that. <laughs> Does that uh, mean you're leaving Marm unattended? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if you want to leave Marm unattended, but, but no sooner did you uh, wander off to the line of painted ladies that Marm is now unattended here by himself on the third floor gallery overlooking the courtyard of the Four Swans Tavern, while the two of you go down to the first floor and uh, queue yourselves into the ladies' room. Um, we'll deal with how Corso gets into the ladies' room in a minute. But, Marm, what do you do up here by yourself? Um, Marm's going to climb up to the roof and take a look around and see if there's any other nearby buildings he could probably jump to and explore. Oh, well, that sounds like a terrible idea. So, yes, let's do it. And, of course, you know, the galleries have, uh, you know, columns that, that hold up the roof above it, and you're already on the top one. Um uh, and, you know, there's still plenty of people around. It's crowded. Um, I don't know if you're trying to do this without being seen. That's going to be kind of difficult. But if you don't care, then uh, it's no small matter at all for you to scamper up onto the roof, a person of your skill. It's just a matter of shimmying your way up a column and then uh, grabbing onto a gutter. And you find yourself on the roof of the four swans and you're actually not far from the black castle itself uh you realize that that taller building that had the poster of bane looking down on you that is the black castle you realize if you uh walk along the roof and then turn the corner on the other side of the uh you know gallery and go to the back corner of the building you might be able to see the alleyway uh behind the castle itself uh, if you want to walk over that far, you have to keep your balance for a good ways. But do you want to see if there's anything you can see from back there? Yeah, it sounds like a great opportunity to reconnoiter and maybe gather some intelligence here on the castle. So I'll uh, okay dexterity to walk out there. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, five. make a dexterity roll. Roll to five. That's great. And, you know, it's like a... That, that's wonderful. So, like, the roof beam is like a balance beam almost, you know, and you're you're walking along it, and you turn left very nimbly and walk down to that. And at this point, there's an alley, and on the other side of that is the big multi-story black basalt wall, you know, that surrounds the whole city. And when you walk off to your right, 
across a rather broad boulevard is where the castle itself is. Um, the castle is not so much a fortress anymore. It once was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but it's kind of outdated, you know, in terms of military defensiveness. It's more of an administrative center now, but it's still imposing looking with great Gothic spires and, and, and architecture. But you can now see around the back of the Black Castle, and there's a narrow space in between the service entrances to the castle and the huge wall of cold Sador itself. And at the base, the base of the smokestack that Grover Hotwater was talking about is there. And you can see there are two Black Sun guards standing in that alley with a Gax lantern talking to each other quietly. But uh, if you could somehow get past them, then getting to the uh, smokestack you've got to climb should be no problem but you will certainly not be surprised by them now that you've seen them I don't know if there's anything you could do about them from here or not Marm um yeah well I think with the boomerang he might be able to uh, knock one of them out maybe or something so he's he's gonna try with uh, hitting one of them with the boomerang if it's within range yeah, yeah, go ahead. He, they certainly are within range. You just want to hit one of them? Okay. And, uh, yeah, so you bid a minus seven bonus to pull this off. Yeah, he, he's going to bounce it off both their heads. There's no reason not to hit both of them there. So Okay, then, uh, you'll, you, then you'll be at a minus four bonus to pull this off. All right. And... Uh, with the minus four bonus, I'll get a 10 on a 17, so that'll succeed. Okay, absolutely. And the boomerang sails off into the darkness and curves down the alley and boom, boom, hits both of them in the head. Go ahead and roll the damage. That'll be a 5d6 damage to each of them. Could be enough to put them down. 20 damage to one. 25 to the other one. He falls to the ground. They both look at each other surprised for just a second. And one goes, did you? And then boom, they fall down. Not just unconscious, but the top half of their bullet-like helmet has been shorn off. And uh, their brains are now leaking onto the street. I guess it's like that a boomerang like that little kid in the Road Warrior has. You know, razor edges, I guess. You know, but... Uh, yeah, you've actually dispatched the guards in the back of the building. Now your only hope is to get your friends the hell out of the bathroom and over there before someone walks down the alley and finds two dead and bleeding guards on the inside. But let's rewind for about three minutes to four minutes to five minutes. And uh, Farin, you're waiting in line to get into the ladies' room, and you get in. Uh, and then just as you're about to follow her in, Corso, the other ladies in line all raise a protest. Hey, wait a minute. Where do you think you're hey. doing? You think you're I- I just, uh, I'm going to cast uh, Confusion. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, let's see about, let's see what their reaction is like now, shall we? I would love to tell you that uh, there's an enthusiastic, overwhelming response of friendliness and warmth, but I'm afraid that the crowd has now turned hostile. Uh, I don't care. You're not getting in there. You are good. What are you, a pervert? You Ladies. don't get to use Lee's bathroom. They're all, they're actually, they're not even afraid of you. They're like walking up towards you, getting your face, shoving you. 
Huh? What are you going to uh, do? You gonna ladies, keep- you're confused, ladies. You're no, confused. You, you ain't talking your way out of this one. Huh? We're going to call the authorities on you. Yeah, we're going to tell them there's some kind of a pervert down here. Say, he looks familiar to me. Does he look familiar to you? I don't know. I think I was some kind of cheap book once with a picture of a fellow that looked like him in it. Only that fellow was a little oh, skinnier. Yeah. yeah, that fellow was a little handsomer. I bet this one can't even get it up. I, you can tell from I, looking at him, he can't even I get can it up. I can still get it up. That's why he's I trying to get it. He can't get it up unless he's in a, little, a girlie's bathroom sneaking a little peek because he's a pervert. Why don't you prove you can get it up, huh? You're such a man. Let's see you get it up. Let's see you get it up, big man. Come I'm on. already up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he's got this over large cod piece yes, part of his armor. Yeah. See? Yeah. Look. Look at this thing. Okay. Massive. Yeah, they're uh the crowd is hostile. They're angry. It's getting nasty. Uh uh the six women you're talking to jump on you uh with their fingernails bared. Oh god. Uh do you please go ahead and make a defense roll of your choice? Uh you may wrestle them with a strength roll. Or you may dodge and weave and get the hell out of there or the dexterity. Yeah. He's trying to like scramble away, just run as fast as he can. Oh, I rolled the wrong thing. Hold on. Oh, I rolled the two. Alright. Yeah, that's right. Run! You limp dick jerk! Uh, yeah, you showed him. And so, yeah, you're a marm from your perch, you see Corso bolt out the door and uh, run into the street. And uh, meanwhile, far and you've got your... For your life! And of course, you could hear this and we're not surprised by it while you were calmly putting your makeup on. <laughs> yeah, I don't imagine. I mean, yeah, I'm sure Farn would have expected that. Yeah. But, uh, well, once she gets the makeup on, uh, she'll uh, run after Corso. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello, Gonan's World. It's Nicholas Corso. Have you tried my butter yet? My butter's better than other butters. Corso's yum butter tastes like creamy candy and spreads easier than a pair of South High Seat legs on prom night. Unlike some other butters, Corso's yum butter isn't made from nasty flying milk, only the healthy milk of big fat buffaloes with big fat titties, churned on the beautiful Isle of Khufu. Man, I love those children. I mean, churners. And Corso's yum butter isn't just for eating. It's also an excellent lubricant. Whether you need to grease up some cookware or slide into a tight hole, nothing is more slippery than when it's smothered in my butter. So what are you waiting for? It's time to butter up with Corso's Yum Butter. Are you lost? Alone? Afraid? Addicted? Are you just bored? Is life a perpetual series of disappointments? Do you ask questions only to learn that the answers are more questions? My friends, I'm Brother Von Drever, and I'm here to tell you the Church of Darius has the answers you're looking for. For tens of years, Darius has provided wisdom and guidance through a very special book, The Aphorisms of Darius. To some, it might seem like a list of D100 random non-sequitur statements, but I'm here to tell you that everything you'll ever need to know is in that book. But don't take my word for it. I'd like to send you a free copy of The Aphorisms of Darius so you can try it for yourself. Write to 555 Skyway Boulevard, High Seat. If you like it, subscribe to the church for more spiritual guidance. 
We look forward to hearing from you, and remember, it's all good. Okay, well, of course, so you guys are out in the, again, out in the main street now, next to the doors of all the other taverns in the street. You don't know what the hell has happened to Marm. Um, you, you lost track of him over the last few minutes. Damn. Do we have, like, a whistle or something we can blow for that thing? Now, of course, Marm, you know where, you know where they are, and I'll let you rejoin them at your convenience. But, uh... Of course, we must, uh, stop making a habit of getting kicked out of establishments for attempting to get into the ladies' restroom. Well, in my earlier days, there would have been no protest whatsoever. I would have been welcomed with open arms and open legs. Do you remember that I knew you in the old days? Well, uh... (laughs) You don't know everything. That's what I was to say. You You know everything. I believe you guys met in prison. Started off in Rockwell trying to get out of jail. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, you, Marm, you look like your mouth was open. Like you were about to s- s- emit a flood of words. I was going to... Marm was going to drop down from the gutter right into the uh, <clears throat> midst of Farn and, and Corso there and say, Hey, I've got something to show you guys. Quick. No, it's not that. What did you get off to? <laughs> it, it's in the uh, alley well, back here. Right. I want to show you something Is in the alley. Well, that's a line that I used to say. <laughs> but <laughs> what is it? What is it? We won. I, I killed a couple. Well, people. Do you want to follow him and see this? Is... Oh well, wonderful. Oh, oh boy. I'm, well, I'm hitting, uh, I'm hitting, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think we can get into the castle. I don't know. I think I can get into the castle. I'm pretty sure. But the bodies there, we might need to move the bodies. But they're kind of heavy, so I thought maybe you could help us move the bodies. But you maybe one of you can get the, one of the bodies, and the other can get the other one of the bodies. Then I can get into the castle. And let you guys into the castle if you need into the castle that way. Um, so will you help me? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, did you were you seen at all? Well, of course not. All right. Does seem to be a rel- rather sneaky little one, doesn't he? Very sneaky. He has his uses. Um, I don't suppose you could, uh... You've got another one of those fancy dimension doors you could, uh, d- deposit the bodies in. Nah, I'm out. Damn. Yeah. Well, But uh, I could wave my wand until I get something like that. You, know, you never know. But the odds of that attracting unwanted attention, however... Yeah, and I, I applaud your self-restraint because that crowd of women in the bar, I was doing my best to provoke you into waving that wand, and uh, you didn't fall you didn't fall for it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, do you guys want to go see the dead bodies in the alley? <laughs> hey, you guys want to see a body? I want to touch it and poke it. Oh. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it was. I was dared. <laughs> all right, you guys uh, go down the boulevard, and uh, again in the back of uh, the back of the Black Castle. Again, you can see the service entrances and a couple of docks. And to one side is just a flat black wall, you know, that stretches up many stories. On the other side is the castle itself. And at the base, there's a bulge at the bottom, uh, which is the base of uh, this huge smokestack. 
that uh, towers up even above the level of the city wall itself. But the whole thing is ribbed. It's ribbed for your climbing pleasure. It's it's quite easy to climb because of the ribbing and the uh, pillar. Uh, it would only take time. You don't even have to roll to climb it. If you're willing to take about a quarter of an hour carefully, quietly climbing. If you want to rush it, go ahead and uh, let me know, and we'll do it another way. Well, first of all, uh, is there something, any place we can at least drag these bodies to hide them? Well, there is a rubbish bin back here. They look like they might fit in there. Now, I forgot to ask, does does Marm, we did talk about this before we played a little, but then we didn't, I wasn't for sure, but does Marm have any certain items on his person? No, I forgot to give him a bag of holding, unfortunately, but that's okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to have a bag of holding, and I got it mixed up with a bag of devouring, and it was a, it was just a mess. So, Wow, I bet that thing would make a terrible hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. So, j- just... Because I think I remember this, but I, I can't remember for sure. Didn't we have like a bag of devouring rigged up under as a toilet? Using as a toilet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought so. uh, it yes. was on the uh, on the apparatus of Orajabi. Yeah. In fact, you guys do have it, but it's on. You know, you have to unfold the ship right now and get it. You've been using it for the toilet. That's where you put it. All right. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. N- this alley's no place yeah. to unfold the apparatus. And I was actually going into the bag of holding I was using that as a toilet by mistake <laughs> and then uh, and then when I reached in to, you know I got mixed up again and I reached in and to, to pull out some kind of weapon and some food and you know you know what happened there <laughs> well I hope you washed your hands afterwards yeah. Uh, well yeah I did I, I don't have to be told to, to wipe <laughs> wash my hands when that happens uh, well, do you guys? I'm assuming you're going to have this conversation while you're hoisting the bodies of uh, the, the guards into the rubbish yeah. bin. And uh, so, uh, do you want to take a nice, easy climb, or do you want to take a fast, risky climb? Uh, well, um, Foreign's polymorph ability says she can do it once per day, and I don't think I think she did it yesterday. So yes, she did. Would you like to just fly to the top, Foreign? Yep. Well, Foreign flitters into a bird right before your eyes and easily spins around the tower flying upward and the rest of you can climb do you wish to climb riskily and fast or slow and steady I guess it's gotta go slow and steady for me well go ahead and make a dexterity roll Marm as you scamper up but you may do this with advantage because it's something that thieves do a lot Marm rolls a one yeah. All right. Yeah, he somehow far and he gets up there like almost as you barely beat him up there. You know, he just and of course, so you like you're talking to him one second and then there's like some smoke and he's uh, gone. You look up <laughs> above you and he's what? What? <laughs> so you can go slow and yeah. steady. So you guys said yeah, that. Go ahead. Each like, yeah, just I just pictured him like each like step higher that he gets, he rests and. Catches his breath. <laughs> yeah, in fact, it's not even the not even the fifteen minutes, not even the quarter hour. It's like a twenty minutes. Uh, uh, Marm, you're sitting up there dangling your legs over the edge of the smokestack, and Far is flying around, waiting. 
And uh, Corso finally, out of breath, huffing and puffing, uh, reaches the top of the smokestack. <sighs> Luckily, it's big. Uh, it's big around enough that no one's going to have to squeeze in, you know, too tight because you're. But uh, finally, you're you're together, and no one seems to have seen you guys climb up. It's night. The moons are out. Uh, from this distance, though, you can actually see the ocean from here, you know, and see the salty shallows and see out beyond the, the city walls. It's a great perch looking out at the whole city with all those portraits of the handsome, smug Bane looking back at you from his many, many huge posters. But uh, anyway, uh, at the top, though, there is a surprise that you were not expecting, and that is there is a great over the top of the smokestack and Grover Hotwater hadn't mentioned that correct yeah it actually has had like no it doesn't look like it's taken any weather damage or smoke damage it's all shiny and brand new the rivets around it look like they've just been freshly put in and uh, you think maybe one of you could rip it off if uh, you could make a strength roll with like a plus two penalty, you might be able to pop off enough of the edge that you could squeeze into it. They must have installed that while we were waiting on Corso. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I assume in bird form, Farin could probably just dive through. Well, that's true. That's absolutely true. But it's not going to help these other two. So right, Farin, but you I can think, dive through. I think to just get. A, a, a surreptitious view of what you know the lay of the land before before less or more more uh, conspicuous people come dropping down start dropping down well would you fly down through the grate and uh, inside uh, it looks like the people uh, will be able to climb down pretty easily because there's actually metal rings uh that for maintenance purposes and cleaning purposes, so they can get cleaning crews up here. And those are old. They are smoke-stained. They are nasty. And you fly down to the bottom of it, and uh, there is a square room in there with a huge iron door. It looks like it's all been freshly swept up, but the floor is all stained with ashes. And uh, that was probably the room where they burnt all the safe trash. And uh, you can zip back up and report all this to your your friends on the other side of the grate. Well, you can't report it because you're like, tweet, 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 right, tweet, 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 Spoiler alert, there's no invisible assassins in this entire castle. So, uh, Corso, I'm not sure if you're stronger or Marm, are you stronger, but one of you guys is going to have to pop open this grate to get through. And it's a strength roll with a plus two penalty. Stay back, little man. I don't want you to hurt your back or anything. I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm a full-size grown man, so I'm going to yank this grate right off with my great strength. Just 15. Oh, I rolled a 1. I almost oh, feel like that's out of character. <laughs> it is almost out of character, but bam, that whole thing comes up. Ring! In fact, you pulled, you were just trying to pull up one little edge, right? So you got to get through. They pulled the whole thing off 
with such force, you know, and you realize, though, to your horror, there's nowhere to fucking lay it down. You know, you're going to have to, like, drop it over the edge or balance it or something. Uh, what are you going to do with it? Well, <clears throat> if I can narratively just say, just because I feel bad that he was so uh, awesome in that instance <laughs> when really I don't think he would have been. I'm just going to say he, like, awkwardly holds, holds on to it, not knowing what to do, and then give it, suddenly his strength just gives out and and uh he's just like kind of like i don't want it to hurt him but i want it to kind of like like hilariously like trap him uh for a little bit on the ground so he's just like it's on top of him yeah you fall down on the ledge of it you know on the, the on the ledge of the smokestack you uh fall down it pins you against the top of it and then it falls Spot. down you know, it's kind of at an angle now, going down the the, the smokestack, and it slides down and uh, scrapes the buttons off Ugh. your uh, your leather jacket. Pop, 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 and your belly spills out, and then it just wedges itself in the middle of the tower. But you know, at an angle, so you can climb around it still. And uh, all right, so see that's how it's done. <laughs> Well, like I say, there's an iron ring, so the climb down is, is pretty easy, and eventually you guys well, get... I would like to... <clears throat> Corso is going to unravel some uh, <clears throat> some sticks of butter that he brought from high sea. He's going to start lathering himself up with butter, and then take a little bite of... Any, anyone? Anyone want <laughs> butter? <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll try some. I'm ready when you guys are ready. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I've gotten accustomed to it. Corso uh, brand yum butter. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that reminds me. I'd like to thank them for their sponsorship for tonight's episode. That was, that was yeah, they are one. sponsoring. We, yeah, they, yeah, they are. So uh, anyway, um, you guys eventually covered with butter, at least one of you. Another one with butter around his lips. Um, you're at the in this square room. Well, yeah, they do call him Butter Lips. He talks a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in that big square room with the ashy floor. You know, that's been swept up, and there's that big iron door that's locked. And uh, um, uh, I don't know if Farin is back into regular form or bird form still or what, but. Uh, uh, she's gonna hang out in bird form until she needs to. I, I assume fight. you'll, yeah, I assume you'll tell me. And uh, someone, of course, is gonna have to pick the lock on this big locked iron door. That's the uh, only I way out of here. Think there's just one person. Luckily, there's no safe trash in here. I think there's yeah, only my one. My fingers are too fat anymore to lock yeah. pick. So, little there's guy, little, it's up to you. One little person who can do that job, and his nimble expertise will give him an advantage. With advantage, we roll a three. Well, that's great. And the door opens. And inside, there's... And Farn is a little exhausting to flutter around all the time and actually makes noise, so I like the idea, if you don't mind, narrative touch of you, like, riding on Corso's shoulder, you know, perched for the moment and flying when you have to. Otherwise, your arms get pretty tired. Not a lot of place to soar down here. There's a short uh, hallway in front of you. It's not real long. It's uh, checkered. And beyond that, there's an open doorway that leads to stairs going up. What do you guys want to do? 
Uh, I don't know. I hate stairs. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, and the stairs are at the at the end of the hallway with the checkered uh, uh, black and red pattern on the floor. And, of course, um, just let me know where you guys want to go. You want to go up the stairs, or what do you want to do? Is there anywhere else to go? No, just at the end of that hallway, stairs that go up. Hold on a second. Um, Slide up the stairs. This uh, checkered floor has me a little worried. I've seen a trap like this before that wasn't exactly checkered, but there was like squares on the floor. And if you stepped Mm -hmm. on the right square, you stepped on the wrong square, really, stuff happened. It was usually bad stuff. And I don't want any bad stuff to happen to us. So we might want to check out the floor and see. Mm -hmm. It was certainly no problem for Far, and he could fly down and wait for you at. the end of the hall and far and you can see the stairs going up here and there's a T-junction at the top of the stairs and uh, there's doors in both directions up there but the the hall itself is is empty at the top of the stairs and that that's case, what you can see <clears throat> she'll just wait uh, at the top of the stairs for them okay watching uh, with bemusement as they probably set off some traps or some shit <laughs> Yeah, Marm. Uh, why don't you test it out, Marm? Yeah, so I would very much like to check out for traps here and see if there's anything uh, dangerous in here. And uh, I roll yeah, a three. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's pretty good. And you realize, uh, yeah, you 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 are checking around and you uh, realize you're about to touch the squares and poke and prod at them, but uh, you you got a bad feeling about the black squares. You just got a real bad feeling about them. They don't seem like, and it's that the light doesn't catch them right. It's like they're made of a different substance. It almost looks tarry, like it's smooth, but you're afraid you'll stick to the black squares. So you probably just want to go on the red squares on the, on the way across. All right, well, let's just go on the red ones. Uh, you ready, Corso? I, I think we have to well, run as fast uh, as we let can. Let me watch you first. Okay. Here we go. Watch. I mean, if you could do it, and I can just watch you, and then I'll then I'll know better, you know, what to do and what not to do. Okay. Yeah, just don't let any fat rolls go over the edge of the square. Hey, <clears throat> are you are you really going to run across as fast as you can, Marn? Yes. Okay. Well, normally you have such little feet that if you want to cross carefully, no roll would be required. But as usual. You got a bad idea, and as usual, I like it. So please make a dexterity test as you charge off across the floor. Do not accidentally step on a black square. I rolled a three. Okay, that's good. And so you reach the base of the stairs, and you look up, and you see little birdie Farin waiting there for you, hopping around on the top stair, and uh, or wherever she is, perched in a torch bracket. Uh, there's no torches in here. It's lit by Gax light. Um, but, uh, yeah, of course. So, uh, you got bigger feet, though. And even if you are careful, you still have to make a dexterity test as you go across. I could have sworn I waved this one years ago, and there was some type of uh, <clears throat> flying uh, ability. Why don't, you wave why, why don't you wave it and see what happens? Yeah. Well, I'll get it eventually, I'm sure. You, 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 are you actually going to wave the one? Yeah, I'm going to okay, roll good. D4 first. I love a bad I idea. Four. Okay, it's going to go off. So let's roll uh, <laughs> percentiles. 
See, I, you're not the only one that can turn into a bird. Watch Sorry. this. It's got to be a this. 20. stuck to the floor. <laughs> well, actually, you uh, a huge gust of wind shoots out of the edge of the wand and rushes down the hallway and picks up Marm and Farn and blows them out into uh, <laughs> the hallway ahead. Now, there's a T-junction at the top of the hall. You're going to go right or left. It's a uh, you know, it's uh, random. So Farin and Marm, just roll a d6, you know, even odd, or do even odd however you want. Odd, you're going to get blown up and hurled to the right. Even, you're going to get blown up and hurled to the left. Left. In the gust of wind. Even. <clears throat> even. I can't remember which one that was. Left. And so both of you blow up and bang on a door at the end of the hallway to the left at uh, the top of the stairs and land and uh, you hear this voice on the other side of the door says, all right I'll be out in a minute and uh, meanwhile Corso you still haven't gotten across the uh, uh, mm-hmm. the hallway but the, the gust of wind was uh, pretty loud but it's gone now and then, while meanwhile, you guys like outside the door, I you can pointed that at myself and then waved it, and I would have been blown across <laughs> or turned backwards. Now, yeah, yeah. It's not that easy. What to happens blow yourself? if I try that again? <laughs> oh, but of course, maybe, I was definitely maybe tried. not for maybe not for you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> are you rolling uh, again? You roll. Don't forget that D four. You're rolling the wand again. Meanwhile, those of you outside the door on the left at the top of the stairs can hear somebody in there. You're some pages turning as if in a book. You get the very strong impression that that is a privy closet. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, of course, I'll go ahead. Okay. I didn't roll one. And I rolled a 17. Well, uh, you'll be happy to know that you just got another gust of wind. <laughs> and Marm, you're lifted up and smashed against the door. Boom, again. And I said I'll be out in a minute. Great Gonan's grundle. Give him a minute of privacy, says a voice on the other side of the door. Uh, sorry, it's just a lot of wind out here. <laughs> well, there's a lot of wind in here, so give me my privacy. Well, surely if I ruled two wind spells in a row, it'll surely happen again on the third time. <laughs> the and this time, of- I know I will yeah. point it at myself and wait. <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely point it at yourself. Go ahead and wait. Wait, right, let me roll. Now, I hope I roll one this time because I don't really want to. <laughs> it's 16 to 20 is gust of wind. I'll just tell you. I didn't roll one. Okay. 29. Well, <laughs> you know it can't go to win, but you point it right at your face, right? Or your chest or wherever. And boosh, gushing out of the end of the wand, covering you, filling the hallway, going up the stairs and out into the T-junction hallway is a stinking cloud. <laughs> All of you make constitution Make constitution rolls, please. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you're completely incapacitated by the stinking cloud. So both Marm and Farin, and the stinking cloud's going in under the door 
of the privy. <laughs> and oh man, you did need to get in here, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> so uh, I rolled on my constitution, so I pass out. Uh, yeah, you, 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 you're incapacitated. In fact, you're at the edge of the hallway, right? And you fall, and you're and pointing fall a red towards all. You're gonna fall down. You're gonna hit like two or three black squares. Or you're like stuck yeah. to the black squares and gagging. You're not unconscious or anything. You're just completely incapacitated. You're like tears running down your face. You can't even get a full oh. breath. Um, meanwhile, Farn, did you pass your constitution? Yes, with an eight. That's good. You are able to flutter up, and there's like a little space, you know, gets to the ceiling. With the that's not as bad, and you hover up there. Marm, how about you? Succeeded with a six. Nice. So, Marm, it's still terrible, but you can function. You know, you're not completely incapacitated by it. And, uh, you know, somebody's going to have to air out this room. But, uh, yeah, you guys are going to have to go down and and, and uh, help Corso here. Uh, you guys going to have to open a window, something. I don't know what you can do. Well, if, you roll, if you take my wand and roll a, a 20 or whatever, you, <laughs> you can get another gust of wind and blow out the gas. <laughs> Um, uh, but nobody touches my wand. Yeah, I don't know what to do in this situation. You guys uh, need to disperse this cloud somehow. Hopefully, is there a window in the bathroom, maybe? I don't know, uh, but, you know, it's occupied. There's also that other door on the other side of the hallway. You know, the hallway at the top of the stairs is a T-junction. So there was a door to the right. You guys got blown to the left. Uh, you could always try to open that door to the right and see if that'll get some of the air out or disperse the cloud. I don't yeah, know. Marm will go check out the door to the right. Okay. Marm, will you get over there? In the, I'm sorry, Farm. Were you going to say something? I was just going to say that she's going to not be a bird uh, anymore and try to go down and uh, pull Corso up off the okay. floor. That's a good idea. And so, yeah, uh, <laughs> changing back into her female form, you go back down the stairs and uh, Farn, uh, go ahead and Make your dexterity roll because you got big people feet to uh, is this, does get this, across the um, hallway without accidentally f- stepping on a black. Does this sticky stuff? Is it? Does my being coated in butter? Does it make it worse or does it make it better? I think it makes it a lot worse <laughs> because that's a lot funnier. And I know how you're going to be able to get out of this before, and I'm sure it probably makes it across because she's got a pretty good dexterity. Yep, with an eight. Okay, well, you're standing above him now, and, uh, you know, Corso, you're still, you can see that he's absolutely incapacitated, Farn, he's gagging, he's trying to pick himself up off, and you realize real quick, Farn, look at down at the way his, his armor is just fused to the, uh, to, and it's kind of like an armored suit, you know what I mean, he's not wearing much under it, and it's just fusing to the black squares, he's, there's only one way that Corso is going to be able to leave here. And that's, he's gonna have you're gonna have to undo the front of his armor and slit down the pants and everything. He's gonna have to, you know. I hope that you're not going commando, Corso, because well, you know, you know he is. <laughs> well, you realize far into your horror that the only way Corso is gonna he's got to leave the armor, and you're gonna have to cut him out. And uh, <laughs> it's a, I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Marm, uh, that door on the right wall at the top of the stairs, uh, it is not locked. And do you want to open it? You can tell from pulling it's not locked. I, why am I asking? Of course, you're yes. probably going to open it. 
Well, it's a big room, and when you open it, the cloud rushes in there, and there's some open windows high up on the ceilings, like tilted open to let air in, you know, for ventilation. And, and the stinking cloud disperses enough that, uh, of course, so you're able to uh, stand up uh, naked, basically. <gasps> and uh, uh, luckily, you know, your, your sword landed on top of you and the wand was in your pocket so you can get all that stuff it's not stuck but you had to leave your armor behind and you're in the nude <laughs> uh, I can't believe after all these years you've not learned not to wave the fucking wand at yourself uh, yeah I mean I just the wand usually solves any problem that I have so I don't know what happened <laughs> but, well uh, yeah. Now I just uh, wanted to let you know that it's very <laughs> cold in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when designing this trap, I thought it would be funny if someone had to leave a, their boots you know, and go barefoot. I did not necessarily anticipate full frontal corso. <laughs> but we have it, and it seems so appropriate. Um, and so corso with the sword in one hand and the wand in the other. Um, go ahead and in a dangle. Now, do, do these? Um, <laughs> You're still not across the hallway. Do these spells that I have are they like actual scrolls or? No, they just know them. You just know them in your okay, mind. Okay, good. Yeah, I didn't want to have to shove some scrolls on my ass or something. To <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Funny that your mind went there, but no, you yeah. don't need to do that. Actually, those um, are made out of. Paper. Do you want to cast any of them at the moment? <laughs> yeah, that would not be pleasant. So, um, you know what? Oh, so though? I don't have any armor now. I just have this ring of protection, though. Yeah, you still got the ring of protection. You still got the ring of protection. And I guess you could argue, since you fell down on your back, that it's possible. Good, that cod piece. The cod piece <laughs> is still salvageable. Yeah. No, you know? it shouldn't be. But no, because the back of it, I guess, you know. Yeah, and you already yeah. said it was cold. I, he tries so, yeah. pulling it up as hard as he can, but it's <laughs> stuck. Come on! You had to cut the straps off. You can just kind of hold it there. <laughs> yeah, hold it, hold it like a little coconut half. Well, uh, so, now, Farin, uh, make a. If you guys want to get back to where Marm is, you both need to make dexterity rolls. Farin uh, has already scampered over here once, so I'm going to give her a minus two bonus to the roll. Corso, uh, go ahead and make a dexterity roll. Or do you want to try the wand again to get yourself down the hallway? Uh, I'm not going to allow him to do that. I'm just... Uh, <laughs> That's good, because so. I felt irresponsible even asking if you wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, here goes nothing. Eight. That makes it. Okay, you guys, so you're both at the other end of the hallway now. You go up the hallway. Marm, you look over, and Corso's naked. And... Um, you see him like skipping from <laughs> skipping from square to square and <laughs> is it cold in here or something? <laughs> it's freezing let me tell you well the door beyond Marm uh, said it was a large room with some ventilation windows up high it's lit with dim blue gax lamps and there are you can all see now that there are many tall monkish style desks here and huge diagrams on the walls with logarithmic tables and uh, 
there's another door at the end of the room and there's a door on the right wall and no one seems to be here at all you see there's a door on the right wall and what else a door at the other end of the room opposite end of the room from you and then a door to your right and other than that just a big monkish style desks you know like tall lectern style Bob Cratchit desks you know and huge diagrams on the walls and logarithmic tables and other math oh uh, this must be the math room this is where that dude had his briefcase yes that's what I was thinking as well I think we perhaps should check the desks well, if you guys would like to search through the desk real quick and uh, get lucky and find it in just a few seconds, why don't each of you go ahead and make an intelligence test? I succeed. Rolled a one. Yes. Well, all of you succeeding are absolutely confident there's no attache case in this math room. He said there was, but you don't see one anywhere. Now, there, of course, there is that little door to the right on the right wall, and there is a, but and that seems like uh, not an exit so much as an ante room of some kind. The exit on the wall across the room from you on the opposite side seems like more of an exit. Uh, what if somebody found it and took it and uh, used the embarrassing stuff to go embarrass the people? I don't know. Wasn't there a guy in a bathroom? Yeah, yeah, there was. Yes, back out at the other end of the T-junction back then. That's right. So, uh, wonder if that was Lord Payne, you know. Do you well, want to go back no, down there? I know what he was doing in there. Do you want to go back down there and check it out? Yeah, and I'm going to take a massive shit while I'm... <laughs> well, you go down there and the door's locked. Meanwhile, your friend's... Or in the God, ma- bathroom. In there for a long time. We'll we'll get back to your bathroom friends in a minute. But uh, do you want to try shoulder the door open? All right, buddy. You've been in there long enough. Time to come out. There's no answer. <laughs> Had a friend once who died on the toilet. <clears throat> yeah, not gonna let that happen to me. Uh, uh, that's why I only eat one stick of butter a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, wanna, so... Do you want to shoulder the door we, open? Well, can we pick the the lock? Is no, it a Yeah, you could try to pick lock? the lock. Go for it. Well, if Marm wants to come back here and pick it, you could try. Oh, you used to do something like that every now and then. You could borrow Marm's Thieves tools if he let you. My hands are all buttery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wipe them. I don't have anything to wipe my hands on. Um, <clears throat> yeah, let's... Uh, uh, you know, I'm not feeling... I don't feel like I want to shoulder the door um, without wearing any armor. Uh, Farn, you want to try to kick down the door or something? Well, I suppose I can come out there and kick it Oh, I didn't know... Is she, is she is she with she's in, me? She's in the or math the room. They were your friends oh, okay. are still in the math room. But I mean, she's just at the end of a hallway. You're still within speaking yeah. distance. She can stalk down there and kick it. Yeah, she'll even get a minus no, one no. bonus from the walk. Momentum. I don't want a woman to do it. I'll do it. I don't need a woman. Okay. I'll. You gonna, uh, gonna heave your bulk against the door? Yes. All right. I'm gonna give you a minus one bonus because you're fat. 
Yeah, you get a lot okay. of bulk. Yeah, you get a fat bonus. Okay, so strength. Yep. Okay. Nope. <laughs> no. Boom. I got a seventeen. Boom. Would you like to go pick the lock for him? Uh, we won. Ow! Yes, I can go pick the lock. I guess I don't want him to hurt himself like that. But as soon as I get back, I'll finish telling you about the Marm Goodwill sauce. It's mm, good. Um, I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. So yeah, go ahead and uh, with finesse, with your nimble expertise, go ahead and pick that lock, Marm. And Marm's going to roll a four. Well, that door clicks right open, and you look in. There's nobody on that bathroom stall, but the toilet paper, and they do things right here. It's not, you know, note to self. Let Lord Unctious know at Castle Black they're not using, you know. Of course, that's only in your prisons are they using high-seat observer for toilet paper. But, uh, no, here they have proper toilet paper, and it's blowing in the breeze, and... The window, which is shuttered, you know, is the shutter's been pushed open, and it looks like whoever was in here climbed out the window. Uh, you look outside, and uh, uh, you don't, you know, you look. It's like a three-story look down, and you don't, uh, you don't see him down there anywhere. He's not on either side. You turn your head left, turn the right. He might have gotten away and warned some people. He might have uh, be going to report on you guys. You don't know, but you might not have much time. You want, yeah. to climb, you want to climb down in there and make sure, Marm? Nah, I just wanted to look real good and make sure you didn't fall in. Okay. Yeah, well, you stick your head in through the garderobe hole and uh, almost... Well, you would almost gag, except that the stinking cloud was so much worse that it actually smells nice uh, sticking your head down there. But no, it's basically a uh, three-foot drop into what essentially is a porta potty It gets emptied into the sea every now and then and he's not down there but he's clearly probably climbed out the window run around trying to get back in the building and raise the alarm but he obviously hasn't done it yet there's no audible alarm you can hear anyway all right so uh, you were talking about uh, some sausage or something and just go ahead and tell that story i'm going to sit down here for a minute uh he's going to sit on the toilet and uh <laughs> right in front of them while you're talking to him yeah, he has no shame, and uh, he, he wants to hear Marm's sausage story. Well, it's actually about sauce, you see. My family made a sauce, and it's made out of all these different spices from all over the place, and we get these different spices. From and then Marm is interrupted. Marm is interrupted by this uh, terrible, loud bell. Bing, 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 bing. It's been going off. It's, uh, you can hear it echoing throughout the whole Black Castle. Obviously... The bath. Obviously, the secret shitter got away, and uh, unless there was a second shitter, but um, he's gotten away, and he has uh, apparently raised the alarm. So they know you're in the building, and if you would like to go ahead and continue with your shit, I will let you go ahead and do that. Yeah, I would uh, like some DM privacy right now. <laughs> Trying to fix. <picture. laughs> okay, well, not not so interested in the story anymore, but. Uh, Anyway, um, you you squeeze it out pretty quick, um, and you can hear some shouts off in the distance, deeper in the castle. But you guys remember, you were told that deep here in the center is not real heavily guarded. You know, they had a lot of guards around the perimeter, and it's a big castle. They're gonna have to get in, and you know, it could be that you got a you know five minutes, seven minutes, ten, who knows? But uh, the only way out 
you know that you can think of on the other side of the <clears throat> math room. No, I, I was just imagining like what this guy, the secret shitter, like what he must have. <laughs> what did he tell people? Like right, like he ran ran up to some other guards and was like, "Hey, I was taking a dump in the bathroom, and all of a sudden there was this stinking cloud." No, not for me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, not for me. It wasn't me. No, and of course he can overhear everything you guys were saying to each other. I mean, he's got a fairly good idea that you're not supposed to be in there, but you, who knows what he said to him? But uh, uh, anyway, and and I and it, you think I don't know how long you have, uh, Colin. It could be five minutes, could be seven, could be ten. I don't well, know. Uh, five minute shit is gonna is pretty quick for me. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll try to be fast. Well, while he's doing that. Um, you guys in the math room, you didn't find the attache case. There was the exit at the end of the room, the opposite end from where you entered. And then there's also that little room that might have been an anteroom off to the right. Do either of you want to uh, poke your head in there while Corso is finishing his business? Yes, I was going to go to the right first. Uh, All right. Marm will go with them. Okay. All right. Well, Farin and Marm, you go up to the uh, the the door on the right wall and, and you you open it up and it's not locked and inside there's an automated tea machine in there it's like a little like clockwork butler who makes tea in his chest and there's a window that looks straight onto a lovely view of the city wall so you know you're on the back side of the building and there's a table in here and chairs it looks like a break room and there's an attache case sitting on the floor next to one of the chairs but the tea machine like sprouts those little spindly legs from under its box-like body and it stands up and it says math room staff only what is the password um, oh, of course the password is eat shit that is not the password and uh, then it sprays you with hot tea out of its orifice in its chest at both of you. A uh, scalding stream comes flying in your direction. Uh, Marm and Farin make a dexterity save or otherwise be scalded with hot tea. Success with a nine. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you've dodged your way back out of the room, right? And you look in there and you can see the <laughs> attache case, but... Really, to go in there without the password, you risk getting sprayed with hot tea. Marm would like to attempt to retrieve the attache case with his hookshot. That is a very good idea. Why don't you make a ranged attack roll? And a six will succeed. Well, you pull the, you know, the hook goes right into the side of the attache case and you pull it out of the room. And uh, just then, meanwhile, Corso, you're wiping. And uh, the attache case is there. And uh, it's, of course, you know, closed and clasped securely. And you were told not to look into it because it would be very embarrassing. Well, of course we're going to. I'm going to look. Okay. All right. Well, you guys are on either side of the door, and I assume you can just close the door to the uh, room so the tea butler doesn't strike again. And yeah, you open and there's papers inside. They're actually like drawings. They're fairly good drawings. And uh, one of them has a title at the top of it. It says, If You Weren't My Lord. And there are pictures of Brendan Bain that this guy has drawn. And he's drawn himself and Brendan Bain in a great many uh, uh, sexual 
positions and this guy's obviously got some huge crush on Brendan Bain and he's written romantic poems about uh, Brendan Bain it's how you learn that Lord's name's, Lord Bain's name is Brendan my dearest Brendan you mean the world to me please do not send me away from your presence um, and, and so on and so forth it's highly highly embarrassing but not to any sweet lady friend just to Grover Hotwater and if these ever do get out he would be publicly humiliated yeah, I mean, Gunnar's world isn't uh, particularly uh, enlightened. <laughs> Certainly not Blackpool, you know. But no, it's uh, no, it's uh, yeah. That that's what you see inside the case. Meanwhile, Corso comes striding up naked, and uh, catch up to them, and you can see that they're looking at these dirty pictures of Brendan Bain. Again, they're not photos; they're not drawn from life. It's just the fevered imagination of Grover Hotwater, who must have sat at one of these tall desks, knowing he's going to be replaced with a so-called, you know, machine brain. Uh, no but- way that's accurate. That uh, <clears throat> that cock on him. No way. It could be that Grover Hotwater was practicing some wishful thinking in his sketching. Yes, well, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I trust you are uh, finished, Corso. I think uh, I think I'm I think I'm finished. Yeah, right. I brought some I, I brought some of that toilet paper with me <laughs> and Marm or somebody who has stuff to carry with. Can you you can take some of this? Yeah, you, know, so, you never know. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll uh, just sh- shove that in my <laughs> in my uh, top. There you go. Whoa, hey. Pat it up. Pat it up a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, um, there's the other one way out of the math room, you know, on the opposite side of the room, and I'll assume you take it. Meanwhile, you know, the alarm's been going off all this time. Um, And the minute you go through that door, um, you you can see there's a rather large room on the other side as well. Um, And... It is a really strange room. You have to take all this in really quickly because things start happening almost immediately. But uh, there's kind of a gross animalistic smell uh, that comes out. And it's uh, there's a large room with concrete furniture and there's tire swings all in the room. And there are 12 pods along the wall. They're smaller than a man, but they're bigger than a wee moldi. And they're made of blue glass, but they're kind of smoky and opaque. There's a door in the opposite wall beyond that. And there's a window on the second story of this room. It's got a tall enough ceiling that you can look up, and there's a window from a room that looks down in here like an observation. But that glass is all opaque. You can't see through it. And what happens just as you walk in the door is that these pods are opening. They're in the process of opening as you look in. And baboons are jumping out of the pods 12 of them but the tops of their heads have been removed and they have clockwork gears and a little transparent dome instead of a cranium and their arms and legs are made of this articulated black metal and uh, unlike normal baboons these ones have really long monkey like tails but as they jump out they're grabbing their tails and turning them forward towards you and aiming them like guns uh, however, you guys may act first, and uh, 12 of them are in your way, and they're clearly going to hurt you. And Marm, what do you do? Uh, Marm's going to throw his because boomerang. 
And yeah, uh, it looked like, uh, in fact, uh, uh, four of them looked like they were aiming their tails at you, Marm. Uh, so I guess you can. You want to try aim your boomerang at all four of them? All or four of them, yeah. Or some smaller number. Well, I think that's a great idea. Now, you're only all together. It's going to be a minus one bonus all right. to uh, attack them with your boomerang. I will hit them with a three. Oh, that is very nice. Let's go ahead and have that damage. That's going to be, uh, well, let's see here. It's hard to divide ten evenly, but I'll let you decide how you want to do it. There's four of them, and you have ten d6 of damage. All right, one of them is hit for 18. One of them is hit for 10. Oh, my. Yes. One of them is hit for six, and one of them is hit for four. Well, one of them goes down with a great howl and skitters across the room. That the clockwork, you know, top of his cranium, uh, that transparent dome is broken, and the clockwork scatters all around the room, and it falls and twitches on the ground. And a bunch of Gaxium oozes out of its tail. And the other three, though, are still up, but they've taken damage. And uh, meanwhile, Farron, what are you doing? Well, I'm assuming that uh, four of them are... Oh, no. Well, um, Farron was going to attempt to borpal sword uh, at a group of four of them, but she rolls a natural 20. Oh, no, natural 20. And Farron, you fling your vorpal sword across the room. But you know what? I say there's about a 5% chance or a 1 in 20 chance that you'll actually hit the glass wall of that observation booth that I talked about uh, on the other side of the room. So if you roll a, a 1 on a 20, uh, it'll actually go into that room. Otherwise, it'll just clang against the wall and fall. Nine. Okay, well, it clangs against the wall and falls, and it's on the opposite side of you. And the four baboons. And meanwhile, Corso, what are you doing? Uh, I might as well use some of this magic I have. I'm going to cast Magic Missile. All right. You cast, you can, <coughs> now you can cast that against uh, one target only, so you'll probably be sure to fry oh. it when you hit it. A fireball will hit multiple ones, but uh, go for it. <clears throat> all you yeah, got well, to do is roll the damage. Yeah. Um, which is 10d6. 10d6. Well, so. you know, if you roll a 1, you might not kill it, but you certainly have a very good chance, so go for it. Okay. And last time I kind of lost track, so I'm going to do the. This might take a minute. <laughs> no, it won't. You're fast at math. Watch oh, this 40. Wow, that was so fast. I can't believe you did that so fast. And uh, yeah, you uh, explode one of them. Just. The magic missile force just rips it apart. The three that were standing next to it have to make morale rolls when they see it's their compatriot pop up. And, uh, yeah, they break and run. They actually start climbing up the tire swings in this room and trying to get as far away from you as possible. And uh, they do not immediately counterattack you. The ones on you, Farin, though, they, are, they have gloating expressions on their faces as uh, they rush towards you. You're not going to be able to parry them, uh, but you can certainly try to dodge and weave and get past them to where your weapon is as you defend yourself, and you will defend yourself with a minus one bonus against all four of them as they come in uh, ready to whack you with their tails. You're not sure what they're going to do as you begin dodging. Well, I rolled an eight, so with minus one, that will be a seven. 
and you roll past them, and they are squirting liquid gaxium out of their tails. It is bubbling and boiling hot, but it does not hit you as you roll past them and skitter to a stop and pick up your vorpal sword from the other side of the room. And meanwhile, um, Marm, the one that uh, the three turn around uh, after looking at their clockwork gears of their friend's brain skittered across the floor, and they turn howling and rush towards you. You've actually got a, uh, a plus two, or I'm sorry, a minus two bonus to defend yourself against them as they spray their bubbling hot liquid gaxium in your direction. Do you defend against their... Yeah, I uh, managed to leap up into the air and dodge their hot spray. Okay, well, you do not get sprayed uh, by them. And, of course, the other ones that uh, were fighting Corso are now momentarily afraid of him, and they're climbing up the rope in front of him. And, Marm, what do you do? Um, yeah, I'm going to send the boomerang around the room again and hit the three remaining. Okay, here it comes. That's uh, a right. plus or minus two bonus. Uh, yes, that is. And they are shaking their tails up as if they're getting ready to I squirt another load at you. Hit them with a 10. And here comes the damage. Train. All right. First one is going to take 12 points of damage. Second one's going to take. They've all taken damage already. And 10 that one points dies. of damage. Last one will take. That one staggers back and almost dies. 12 points of damage. Uh, that one, too. The boomerang goes... And only one of them is live, and he's staggering, and with a oddly human-like cry, he rushes to the door that's uh, below that observation booth that gets banging on it and trying to get through it, but he can't get through it. He's trying to get away. And uh, meanwhile, and you've got the sword fresh in hand. Uh, those four whip around and look at you, they're angry that you've just gotten past them. They look like they're going to spray you with their liquid tails as soon as they can, but you have time to do something. What do you do? I'm going to attempt to whack at them with my sword and hopefully not wing it. Well, I don't wing it, but I rolled an 18. Oh, no. Um, so that, when that, so that's going to miss. Is that a minus two? It's a minus one for yeah. this particular case because there's four of them. Yeah. So that's still going to miss you. Well, well, you haven't missed much in this adventure, and uh, you're missing now, though. And the again, the gloating expressions on these uh, baboons' faces. Uh, of course, they they shouldn't be so happy when they look around at their friends because things are not going amazingly well for them. But Corso, whatever do you do? You look up, and those monkeys are up on the. Uh, uh, no, they're not monkeys. The blue baboons are hanging up on the top of the uh, rope swing, and they're they're hurling curses at you in their baboon language, and even making some rude gestures in the human rude gesture language at you, Corso. I'm going to make some rude gestures back at them, um, <clears throat> and wave my wand. Uh oh, here it comes, and let's see if it goes off. Roll a d4. Four. Okay, and percentiles. Eighty-five. 
85. Well, uh, leaves grow from these uh, baboons all over their bodies. Uh, they scream in surprise. Uh, leaves just sprout from their bodies. They scream. They begin to try to pick off, and they let go of the rope, and they, they fall to the ground and die. Because they're going to take at least 10 points of damage from that. And probably more. I'm not going to roll. But now there's just the four that are left, and they've all, to, seeing all this that's happened now, they take they they think better of trying to fight Farin, and they are again screaming and banging on the door, trying to get out of here, but uh, but the door won't open. And then there's a sound, a voice comes out. I'm very impressed, says the voice. Thank you. It is a little cold in here, but uh, <laughs> I uh, you know. I still think I got some good length going on. Well, just excuse me for a moment, will you? I have to fix a mistake I made. And there's a bit of a pause, and then all of a sudden, there's sparks shoot out of the clockwork brains of the baboons that are alive, and they're trying to get out. And uh, they they uh, shake and spasm, and their bodies kick about, and they fall to the ground and die. And then the door opens by itself. Why don't you come on in, says the voice. And there's just a little capsule in there. It's a lift capsule. It's like a little elevator room. Do you want to go in? Well, I suppose we should humor him. I assume this must be the great Lord Bane. Yeah, I kind of want to see what he looks like in person, so. All right. Well... You guys get into that uh, little automated lift. There's only one button. There's no hatch in the ceiling or the floor. There's just this little, like, drain-like opening in the floor, maybe for baboon pee. Who knows? But uh, the door closes, and... Uh, Marm pee? Yeah, does anyone anyone want to press the button? Yeah, Marm will. Um, yeah, yeah sure. okay, well, it's done. And, yeah, the lift capsule goes up. It seems like it takes a while. There's actually this really cheesy music playing. We I look at each other awkwardly. Usually prefer to take the stairs. You could say I was raised differently. No. <laughs> oh. Well, the ride seems like it takes forever and even longer with the terrible jokes. But suddenly you all begin to feel kind of lightheaded. There must be some... You realize there must be some invisible gas coming in from that hole in the floor. Everybody make constitution rolls at a plus four penalty. No. Nope. Okay. Nice. I got it. Well, Corso Corso has inhaled so much weird shit in his life that maybe he's built up an immunity, but Farin and Marm you feel a little bit spaced out, a little woozy. And uh, the only real effect is that all of your rolls that you make are going to be at a disadvantage for uh, about the next hour or so. And if you, they would normally be at an advantage, then they would just be normal rolls. But uh, just, to, just then, though, the door opens into a... You can see into a cylinder-shaped room, and the ceiling of this room is just awash with swirling blue light. 
There's a huge machine in here. It's shaped like a dodecahedron. And standing in front of it with his hand on a lever, you recognize him from the posters. It's Lord Bane. He's handsome like a fashion Damn. model. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, but his eyes more are more really, handsome than Corso. He's Corso very so like. much handsomer than Corso. <laughs> but his eyes are very cruel. And uh, he's wearing like a black turtleneck shirt and black pants and what in our world we would call a blazer. It's black also, of course. Excuse me for a moment, he says, while I monologue. I wouldn't bother attacking me. He gestures with his eyes at his hand on the lever. If I let go of this... We're all on a one-way trip out of here. Not so bad for me, because I'd be going home, but very bad for you. Yeah, I know who you are, Queen Farin, and Nicholas Corso, and Marm Goodwill, and I knew this day would come, because in one version you join me, and you enjoy what little time your world has left, but in another version you try to defeat me, and you're flung into another reality, never to return. You see, I'm not of this earth. I come from another place. It would break your little minds to know this, so I won't tell you. But, oh, you know, why not? Let's break your little minds. Your world is nothing more. It is encased in a microscopic bubble floating in a much vaster world, my world. And I have almost everything I want in that world, but I want to give my world what it needs so they'll worship me the way they should. I'll give them free, unlimited power, power that I control, of course. And I'm getting it by sucking your world away. Every granule of matter from this pocket universe that you live in creates energy equal to 12 atomic bombs in my world. Never mind how the math would break you. And your world will be left as, well, you'll be left as nothing. It'll be like Gonan's world never existed at all. So you can join me and leave here peacefully. And maybe, just maybe... I'll take you with me and set you up nicely when I go back home. I could use allies like you. I have powerful enemies in my world and enforcers, if you will. And uh, together we could conquer both worlds. So, which version of the future is it going to be, Farin, Corso, Marm? Because <laughs> I could go either way. You know, I always land on my feet one way or the other. Are you wearing a girdle? <laughs> All right. Or do you just work out a lot, do a lot of ab work? Do a lot of Pilates, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I got a guy. He's good. He's good. Yeah. Okay, well, we, uh, give me his number later. No. <laughs> 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 well, I kind of like this world. What about you, Farin? Uh, yes, I'm a rather big fan of it, and I'm not rather uh, enjoying seeing it be uh, sucked away into this vortex. Yeah. Hmm. Do you do you agree, Marm? Um. Well, you see, I I'm from this world, but I'm from like the future, so I'm afraid if you eat this world now, there won't be a future, and then I won't exist, and I don't kind of like that at all. So I kind of want this world to keep existing, so I'll keep existing or start existing after I keep existing or whatever that works out to be. But I don't want it to go away. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement. Well, the only question is, what are you going to do about it? Well, Corso, I think you know what to do. Yeah, you've been sucking this world. Why don't you suck on this? <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> I'm going to wave my wand. Okay, I hope you don't roll a one. <laughs> Actually, that would be pretty funny. That would. It would be funny. And I'm not going to... If I were a one, I'll just tell you. I fucking rolled a one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, well. Bane just, Bane just shakes his head and... I swear, it almost looks it, like he it usually you. works. It usually works. All right. This is I think the first time it's ever happened like this. Uh, you guys got about one second to do something if you want to do something. Anybody want to do a thing? Yeah, Mark's going to try to hook shot the lever so if he releases it, it doesn't move. Yeah, uh, go for it. You can certainly hit the lever. I rolled a six. Well, you hit the lever all right, and uh, however, it startles him, and he lets go of it. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's no way to stop the lever from moving once he lets go of it. And all of a sudden, that dodecahedron-shaped mechanical brain, it must be what it is, it begins to glow. And the swirling blue light in the ceiling swirls more and it brightens and there's this terrible sucking motion and a vortex-like wind fills the room. And Bane himself just holds his hand, arms out in his Jesus Christ pose and begins floating up into the air. And he says, you chose poorly. I'll see you on the other side. And everyone, uh, yeah, you're, you're obliged to grab on uh, to something, anything, make a strength test to stay here. Oh, what are you going to do? And that's with a disadvantage because I failed earlier, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's with a terrible disadvantage. And uh, yeah, there's bits of machinery and stuff you could try to grab onto, but Bane just rises up into the light and disappears from existence. And uh, how does everybody do? I rolled right on uh, my strength. Well, uh, I rolled a nine. Oh no, Marm is sucked up and out. And uh, what about you, Corso? I actually made it. Well, of course, though, you and Farn are both grabbing onto a piece of machinery that's up against the wall. It's, full with some, it's filled with gaxium. You can see it bubbling in there. But then suddenly, even though you're holding onto that, that thing itself rips out of the wall. There's terrible sparks. And you guys have just enough time to glance at each other as you rise up into the light. And then... God damn you, Marm! And all of you are pulled up into the ceiling. You're spinning wildly, and you have this sensation as if you're being turned inside out and being flung a great distance. And then suddenly you find yourselves in the middle of a crowded street, and there's impossibly bright lights everywhere. And a building is on fire behind you. And there are huge signs that glow, and you can read some of them. One is uh, uh, red and white and says, Coca-Cola... Um, another shows a fat guy in a white suit holding a uh, really fat hot dog and it says chubby chodes mm-mm good and there's another with a, a happy couple in front of a strange house and the sign says uh, we got our mortgage at Wisconsin United Financial and people are all screaming and pointing at you and lots of them are running away and suddenly swift vehicles with flashing lights terrible sirens roar up at you and men in blue uniforms get out and they aim weapons at you and they say Cape City Police freeze supervillains you're under arrest and that's where we're going to end this episode and we will continue this adventure on our 200th episode (laughs) yeah we'll We'll see you then (laughs) I would like to uh (laughs) <laughs> narrate that kind of the final scene is uh, Farin kind of side-eyeing over to Corso and down and up and saying 
So what do you reckon a chubby chode is? <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, I don't know, but it's it's cold in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I think that's good. Yeah. So that was an uh, extra long episode, as our regulars will know. And uh, uh, I think we can yeah. take this moment to uh, congratulate ourselves on 100 episodes. Yeah. It's been fun and can't believe we actually already had our 100th episode yeah it's insane i know and some things have changed since we started we used to do these in person you know but then the world changed and uh, that didn't beat us and all this time we've been hoping to get wimp on and after 100 episodes we finally got wimp on so jason thank you for joining us yeah thanks for inviting me i had a lot of fun and look forward to doing this again sometime oh i'm, I'm sure you will i'm sure you'll be back we'll see you in in a hundred episodes. We'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> come least. back in a hundred episodes. That's right. Now I have a feeling we'll see him back before then. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I guess we'll see all of you next time with a brand new adventure. In the 101st episode. All right.